Hello and welcome back everyone to episode 56 of the Blaze Experience. I'm your host Derek once again and I do want to apologize real quick. I know that we did not have an episode last week at all. We are planned to have a Saturday episode about State of Decay and that was the first time since episode 11 I missed an episode on Saturday so I do apologize for that but it was basically because Undead Trials was going on and that did take up a lot of my time and I was getting no sleep like all week. I had 24 hours of sleep for the whole week so basically three hours a day so that's kind of what happened there and i figured rather than try to rush a bad episode i would just um do an extra one this week so basically today's episode was supposed to be about forza horizon but i decided to cancel that episode and instead i'm going to do an extra episode on a recap of undead trials 2 so today's episode will be a recap of undead trials 2 i have a special guest who will announce in a second and we'll kind of talk through under trials, talk about some of our favorite matches, um, the championship, things like that. And then, of course, on Saturday, we will have a brand new episode about State of Decay. So it'll be a different topic. I'm probably going to talk about the Warlord Legacy. That's probably what my plan is right now. So that will be Saturday's episode. But without further ado, we have a new episode today. And just uh, quickly... My next stream will probably be sometime on Thursday. Um, I don't exactly know what time it is yet, but it's probably going to be Thursday night, if I had to guess. So uh, tune in on Thursday night, and we will have another stream. And like I said earlier, you know, Saturday will be the next podcast. So definitely tune into that. But with that further ado, I do have a guest here today. Our guest is actually the champion of Undead Trials 2. He defended his title. He won for a second time in a row. Please welcome to the show, Fall Down Go Boom. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Pretty good. Hello, Blaze. Thank you. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on. You know, you you did defend your title. So congratulations once again on that. You did a great job in there. Thanks. I mean, it was uh, it was hard. It was a lot. I'm I'm not going to say it was harder than the first one because the competition was just as fierce and, you know, there were more people this time. So um, I'm just I feel lucky that uh, that I was able to take part in both of them and uh, that I was able to to find the items that I needed to in the early matches and um, just, you know, get that win. Yeah, definitely. You did a great display of performance there. And kind of like you said, too, with Undead Trials 1, I mean, we had a solo contest and a duo contest. And the solo contest, I think we had about 10 to 12 people. So this time we actually had 70 or 65 people enter. So from 10 to 12 to 65, that's a big jump. So, you know, definitely congrats on winning out of 65. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I don't think it can be overstated the um, kind of the level of competition that we had in in this particular Undead Trials. Like uh, some of these matches were insane from the very beginning, from first from you know round one until semifinals and into the championship. I mean, it was lights out. It was awesome, awesome from top to bottom. And I'm glad you were able to take part. You know, I'm glad everyone seemed to have fun. Um, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And I want to give a shout out to. Kay Sizzle and Mr. Dart for, you know, helping me organize this thing. They did a great job organizing this with me. So uh, between the three of us, we put on a great show, I think. Here, here. And I want to also thank all the refs that helped us out. You know, we had Sarkoth helping out, uh, Maris, we had Andy, I Kill You, uh, Harsh and Death Crow ref for a match. So we had a lot of refs in there helping out. Big Red. I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but so I apologize anyone forgetting, but you know, we had a lot of refs help us out, so I appreciate everyone. And there was, uh, Sarkoth was in there too. And... Yes, I did get him, but I, I might have missed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and Maris as well. 
I didn't hear. I don't know if you uh, you said Maris. I did, yes, but that's ah, all right. Okay. We can, we can give him a shout out. He can get a second shout out. Uh, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. But yeah, um, basically this tournament, if anyone didn't know already, this was a week-long tournament, which actually we had to go to an eighth day to finish it, but just, just because um, everything was so crunched in, so we had to go to an eighth day to finish the championship, but basically it was supposed to be a seven-day tournament, and we had different rounds, it was double elimination, so... There were seven different mini games that we had, and throughout these mini games, we would eliminate people slowly. So, round one, if you got your first loss, you would go into a loser's bracket. If you got a win, you go into a winner's bracket, and so on. And that kind of continued throughout the week. And basically, uh, Sunday the 16th is when we had the championship, and the championship was myself versus Morris versus Fall Down here. And Fall Down did get first. Morris took second, and I got third. And you know, even that championship, I would definitely say, was a tight contest the whole way. I mean, Morris, you know, had to be beaten like three out of five times just to, in order to lose. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was three out of five, actually, because I had to win the first two, or I had to win two, uh, in order to force a a final match with Maris. And if he had gotten those two wins, then that would have been it. I mean, he was the only person in the entire tournament that made it to the finals without losing a single game so you know he had one leg up on both you and me blaze definitely and you know definitely props him for that because out of 65 people he's the only one that made it to the end without losing him that's crazy and uh in terms of yourself you know you're obviously coming in as a defending champion and then for me basically my only loss coming into that i lost to Morris by two seconds and you know that just kind of gives the level of competition we had during this like some of the losses were that close that, you know, two seconds was the difference between winning and losing. And that wasn't the only one. I mean, Scarproof lost his round one match by three seconds, right? In the, uh, exactly. the backed into a corner. Correct. So there were some very, very close competitions. And even to get to the championship, I had to actually face Scarproof, who you mentioned, and I only beat him by 12 seconds. So that just shows how close this whole tournament was. Yeah, and that's it's not the same game either. For those of you who weren't able to tune in and, and check out some of the matches, I mean, there were different games that were related to time and time trials and things like that. So we're talking about different games here that across the board, you know, the level of effort and the level of competition and skill was incredibly high because we're talking about multiple different versions of games and multiple different game types that were generated for this tournament and we're you know in each case there were examples where it came down to a split second or you know a single decision that cost someone the win or cost someone the loss correct and you know without further ado we should probably get into some of the games because uh some people might want to hear more about them so um couple of the games that we didn't really use much in the tournament, and this is because they didn't really work out as well. You know, they weren't um, as fair as we kind of originally thought of them as, and they didn't really offer as much excitement as we originally thought. Um, Backed in the corner, which you mentioned, that was only done one time. And Jug Razor, that was also only done one time during the whole tournament. And that's because we tried them out. They didn't really seem to work as well as the other games. So we only did those one time each. But um, I don't know if you got a chance to check out those games. I did. I think that Backed in a Corner has potential for um, Undead Trials 3. I think that Jug Razor has just kind of a fundamental problem with how it's being done, or just in general, you know, how Jug Razor worked was each participant 
took a crossbow and tried to get as many arrows into a, a juggernaut um, into a juggernaut's head as possible before it died. But the problem was when you went first, everyone else knew how many arrows they had to shoot. So by the time the third person went, they were like, okay, well, I have to shoot more than 22, otherwise I lose. So there wasn't that that element of uh, of surprise, there wasn't that element of risk that some of the other games had in them. Um, so I think that that one's going to be hard to retool appropriately. It might be you know, a time trial for how quickly you can take them down with a, with a crossbow or something along those lines, but just in and of itself, I don't know that, that that one is, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that one that much. I think backed in the corner is awesome. And I think that with some retooling, it's going to be incredible for the next trials. I kind of agree with you too. And kind of like you were saying, Jug Razor, I mean, the problem with it is basically just like you're saying, if you go first, you're pretty much screwed. I mean, you know, unless the other person really can't shoot that many into the juggernaut, but like the one time we did, I think the person had, okay, I shot 20 in there. I stopped. And then the next person, they know, okay, well, all I have to do is shoot 21. And then I win. like, that's all I have to do. So they don't have to think about anything. All they literally have to do is just, okay, I know what number I have to hit. There we go. I hit it. I'm done. Like, and, and that's not really what we were kind of going for with games. So, uh, that's definitely a game that I don't think will be coming back. Um, Back to the corner, just to give a little bit more uh, context on this one. Basically, there's a building in State of Decay 2 that is a two-story building, and it only has one entrance, and the entrance goes up the stairs. And I kind of had the idea when making that game, why don't we put a horde in front of those stairs? That way somebody has to go through the horde and then get to an outpost to call time, and it's kind of a timed event. Um, the problem, though, is that we've discovered that the zombies wouldn't actually go up the stairs because we were trying to lead them up the stairs and the zombies wouldn't go up the stairs. So that was part of the problem with that. So we do have to retool that a little bit. I think there is a way to do like a horde-based time thing where you have to kill a certain amount of zombies in a certain amount of time. So I think it can be retooled, just um, the game, based on how it was written, did not work as uh, we wanted. Yeah, and you can see that in the game in other places as well. If you have the corner office base... Whenever you have a horde, you know, zombies are very, very hesitant to kind of go up to that top floor. They just don't, you know, they don't like ladders. They don't like stairs. They don't like helicopters. They don't, there are a lot of things zombies don't like. Um, but really kind of climbing buildings is, is kind of tops on their list. Yeah, it is. So, you know, we'll have to look at that next time. And maybe we can try to lead a horde into a different area and try to do something that way. But um Backed in the corner the way it was written this time will definitely not be back, but it could be retooled to come back for Undead Trials 3. But we did have five games that I thought did work pretty well, and I think all five of those games will be back. Just some of them might be retooled a little bit to make them uh, better. But out of the other five games, did you have a favorite game out of those five? Oh, man. Um, I liked... I liked all of them. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, Me too. Just they all, <laughs> they all had different aspects of the game that they highlighted you know the i can both versions of i can both the um the customized one that sarkoth was running uh and that you ran or that um k sizzle ran uh and the i can where you uh, kind of bet on yourself both of those were very unique and very fun because it kind of put it in your control and you're fighting directly against your opponent um, in terms of just general skill. So 
that was one of my favorites by far. Yeah, ICANN was definitely the one that I kind of liked the most when I was designing it because I like the original version. Not that I don't like the new version too. I like both of those versions, but basically the original version of ICANN is when we were kind of betting against each other. So say it's uh, me, you, and uh, Kay Sizzle, for example. Then the referee will give us a challenge. They'll say, uh, how many juggernauts can you kill in an hour? And then I might say, oh, I can kill three. And then Sizzle might say, oh, I can kill five. I can and kill then, seven. Right, and then you can kill seven. And then I go, well, I don't think you're going to find seven in an hour fall. So then I'd be like, I-, I challenge you to do that. And then if you don't kill seven, then basically you would be out of that round. You would get your first loss or you'd be out of the tournament, depending if it's a loser or winner's bracket. And then if you do kill them, then I would get a loss because I challenged you and you did what I said you couldn't. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, the that version of ICANN that I was a part of involved finding rucksacks. So I was able to uh I was able to find enough rucksacks to meet my own bet, which um gave me the win. Yeah, and I wanna stop on that too because out of the whole tournament I thought that was one of the more impressive performances. Like basically I asked it was a match between you, Andy, and Sarkoth, and I asked how many rucksacks do you find in an hour and I forget what number Sarkoff started it at, but then you raised it to 15, and then Andy didn't want to raise it anymore, so Andy challenged you, and you actually found 15 rucksacks. No, it was 45 minutes, actually. That wasn't even an hour, so you found 15 rucksacks in 45 minutes with, like, two minutes to spare, so I was super <laughs> impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I didn't think that... So, I believe Sarkoff said five to start off with. Um and in my mind, I kind of knew the map that we were on, and I knew where the restaurants were. And they were the key to my strategy. My strategy was to go to the restaurants, hit every single one of them, um, because food rucksacks are by far, in my opinion and in my experience, are vastly more likely to appear than any other type of I rock. Agree. So if you can find all of the restaurants and all the pubs in a map, then it's more likely to um, to hit that number, to get that larger number. Um, and I'd already having, you know, thought about what I was going to do on this map. And when the rucks came up, I thought out like a path that I was going to take through it. Uh, I figured out a way to hit just about every single restaurant on the map, though I will admit afterwards thinking about it. And I missed a couple in that first little area. Um, but it was, it was down to, I mean, even that one, even that was down to the wire. I think I got the last ruck with two minutes remaining out of forty-five. Yeah. So two and a half minutes left. Yeah, you came out of you came out from behind the corner. You're like da da da. I got it. Struck back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, it, but it just it goes to show like none of us out of the four of us that were involved in that particular game. I would say a half of one of us thought that it was possible to do 15 and that half was me and the other half of me said i just lost um and then uh i mean it just yeah it just goes to show like you can plan and you can plan and you can plan and still get completely completely taken by surprise um by either you know bad luck or bad planning or bad timing or your car exploding or you know a juggernaut jumping on you out of a window you know just the random things that can happen in the game that can completely derail everything that you want to do so again i I think that it just shows it goes to show kind of the level of 
competitors and the level of competition that we had involved in this. Absolutely. Because I remember during that match, too, as soon as you said 15, Sarkov's first reaction was like, there's no way. That's not even possible. And then you made it happen anyways. <laughs> so congrats on that. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. But actually, the second half of that competition was kind of a play cart speed run. And this kind of showed what I like about ICANN in that there's sort of a mental aspect to ICANN, like the original version, that you can kind of think of things that your opponent might not think about. And they kind of work to your advantage because the second version where you face one-on-one with Sarkoth, I think this is actually a little bit less tense, but that's only because you thought of something that Sarkoth didn't think of. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so what happened was we started talking about the number of play cards that we could kill in uh, a certain period of time. And we had already been on this one map for a little while, so we knew where some things were, we knew where some play cards were, and uh, we hadn't uncovered everything. So it was decided, as we were talking about it, that we would be able to move on to another map. And in my mind, what I realized was that Sarkoth was thinking about the fact that he would have to wipe out every single play card on this map. And in my mind, I was saying, okay, I will kill the, the play cards that I see, and then I'm getting out of here. I'm going to a new map. I'm going to just wreck that one. And if I can keep going from there that I'm going to. As soon as I get in that map, I'm going to have the next map loaded up so that we can, as soon as I do one loop and wipe out anything that I can easily find, we move on to the next one and we wipe out that one too. So when Sarkoth suggested that you know he could do, I think he said 10 or 11, I think he said 11, um, I knew that he was kind of undershooting the total that was likely. Uh, so when I kind of eased it in there and just said, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do 12. I don't, you know, just kind of butter it, butter it up a little bit. And I said, okay, I'll do 12. He immediately called me on it. He was like, you know, I don't even know if I could do 11. Um, we, we started the map, you know, we started the match and started wiping out the play cards. And as soon as I wiped out the, I think the seventh and I said, okay, we're moving to the next map. Sarkoth immediately realized what I was doing and just said, right. oh man, fall i think you got me on this one i didn't even think about just bailing on a map early so it was uh yeah again it was just one of those one of those things that i'm I'm glad that i thought of it and and that's what i like about the original version of i can like i know sarkos not as big a fan of it but I, i think it allows for those mental you know back and forth that other games don't allow for as much because say like um a finder's keepers or a scavenger hunt which we'll get into a little bit those don't really have a lot of mental aspects between you and your opponents. It's more like you mentally versus yourself. And I think I can is a little bit mental versus your other opponents. And I kind of like that. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think that, you know, the finders keepers is one of those where, like you said, it's more mental for yourself. You're looking at the map, you're trying to figure out where you can find different things. But well, like I said, or like you said, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Definitely. But, you know, the original version of ICANN, uh, that's kind of why I like it. But um, we can kind of talk about the new version that Sarkoth created. And uh, I played in this new version uh, to get to the championship. And then in the championship, uh, K-Sizzle kind of adapted it as well. And he played it as well. So it basically was featured two times. It was once in the championship. And then I did this against um, Scarproof and Mr. Huge in the semifinals. And basically this new version that he made, it's where everyone's doing challenges, but Basically, he had a wheel set up, and he kind of spins on his wheel to get you eight challenges. You have to do eight of these challenges, as many as you can do, in uh, 30 minutes or 
20 minutes, whatever the ref says. It was 30 minutes in both cases for us, but uh, the ref could technically say 40, 45, whatever it is. And basically, these challenges, by themselves, they're not that hard for elite players. Like, it was things like CQC a play card, or uh, CQC a juggernaut, or CQC two ferals. Just different things like that, that by themselves, most people in the tournament could do those things by themselves. But the challenge was actually doing them all within a time limit, because we had a 30-minute time limit to try and do all of them. And, you know, the bane of my existence in both of these was flipping cars. So I could not flip cars for the life of me, but, you know, you managed to pull that off. Oh, <laughs> uh, It wasn't just you, man. It wasn't just you. I mean, um, all three of us, especially in that last match, were having trouble with it. It was a, a, an exercise in futility for a good while. You know, we're just rolling cars down hills, drive them back up to the top of the hill, roll the car back down the hill. Felt like, you know, I was a, <laughs> yeah. trying to make a snowman out of cars just very, very poorly. Um, but, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed kind of Sarkoth's wheel of pain that uh, that he had put together where he would... You know, you could watch on his stream when he clicked the button, it would spin the wheel and it would stop on CQC two, uh, two ferals. And, you know, for, for those that aren't familiar, CQC in the game specifically is the close combat weapon. So there's a slot for a close combat weapon and CQC in a feral means you only use that weapon to get two kills on ferals, which is incredibly difficult and can easily, easily result in kind of serious wounds that you'll then be carrying through the rest of that challenge. Um, you know, if a, if a feral dives on you once and gets you to the ground, that's going to be a, a permanent negative on your health and your stamina exactly. for the rest of that challenge. So it goes back into kind of that mental aspect of, okay, there's a feral over there, but we're really early on in this challenge. Do I want to take this risk of diving on the feral when I have no meds? and possibly kind of gimping myself for the rest of the challenge, or do I leave it behind and hope that I find two more? Now, the finding a second one, or finding even a first one, ended up being another challenge for all of us, where... Right, know, so I didn't even find and, any, you only found one, so... Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that was another kind of part of the challenge is, you know, okay, these are not that common, uh, especially on a fresh map, so do you take that risk? Do you walk away hoping that you find another one and hoping that you can hop onto you know, a cell tower or something like that and spot one from a distance? And in the end, um, I believe uh, you and Maris found two and were able to kill two. Uh, but it was, it was kind of a stretch for both of you as well, where it took a long time. No, actually, neither one of us did. You were the only one that even found one. So Maris and I didn't find a single... No, wait, no, Maris did find two, never mind. Yeah, he found two and he killed those, but he didn't do a different challenge I did. That's what it was. Right, right, right. I think Maris maybe didn't uh, destroy the two cars, or I, I forget what it was exactly, but he didn't yeah. do one of the challenges I did, so. Yeah, he didn't flip two cars. He flipped one car onto the roof, and then he destroyed one car. Um, so he missed those two, and right. I thought there was one other one. He didn't. So one of the other challenges was to headshot two bloaters. And if you headshot a bloater, it just falls over and it doesn't explode. I think he headshot one. I think so, yes. Yeah. So he partially did a lot of the challenges, but he didn't finish them. And I know one of the ones I didn't do was the play car, but that's because I wasted so much time trying to flip the cars. Like, I know, and I'm sure you know, too, that I could do the play car part. Just 
I was so focused on flipping cars, I didn't have time to look for one. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a case of kind of gambler's uh, fallacy there, where you know after the first yeah. six or seven attempts, you should have just kind of moved on. But at the same time, you're like, yeah. no, this time, this time, if I, you know, if I roll those <laughs> dice one more time, it's it's bound to come right. up. You know, um, and it also didn't help that you had uh, you were using a, I think a hatchback that had a rounded roof that makes it incredibly hard. Not to even to, I was I was using the survey car, so that's oh, even yeah, worse to go. flip. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a it's got you know a pointy hat on the top of yeah. it. Yeah, you know, trying to balance a top. So right, <laughs> but kind of like you were talking to me offline too. I mean, it's one of those things that like in these time centered games like this, you just get focused on one little thing and you kind of forget the other elements because um, both myself and Maris we got frustrated at certain points and we kept trying to do things that we we're losing time on. Like you know, if I was sitting back, like if I was watching myself play. I could have told myself, no, you shouldn't be trying to flip this car anymore. Go do something else. But in the moment, you're just kind of mm-hmm. too focused on it. And I was losing so much time. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I know I, I told you this uh, yesterday or the day before. I actually muted myself so that I wouldn't give you that advice because, you know, you're my friend. But <laughs> right. at the same time, we were up against each other and I wasn't going to no, be like, I, I understand. no, dude, yeah, dude, I understand. dude, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> do something else. Go do something else. Come on, man. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, I totally understand because, like, outside looking in, if I was talking to myself during that match, like, with the outside perspective, I would have saw the same thing. I'd be like, why are you trying to flip a survey car? Why are you trying to waste so much time on this? But in the moment, like, you're so focused on trying to do these <laughs> challenges that you don't even think of it. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of the beauty of these challenges, though. I mean, they really, you know, get your blood pumping and they really get you um, focused on trying to do things that you wouldn't normally have to do like in a time center environment. Yeah. And it's also, you can also look at them and you can watch all three of our matches and see kind of the different tactics and the different um, ideas that we were all going through. You know, you and Maris were kind of sticking in one area, kind of scouting around and doing stuff in that zone. And in my mind, I was trying to cover as much territory as possible to try and find everything that I needed to. And I think that, I mean, it really, Either one could have worked. Any of them could have worked. Um, and I just kind of lucked out in terms of, you know, finding what I needed to find and honestly being able to flip the car. Right. And I know in my semifinals match, too, um, we had some different strategies. Like, I had the strategy of going up on cell phone towers and basically trying to find everything I wanted. Okay, I was searching for play cards. I was searching for fails, different things like that. And Mr. Huge, he went second. And he had the strategy of just kind of driving around and, you know, not using that. And his strategy almost worked, too, because he only lost me by five points. So Oof, basically, close one. yes, exactly. So he lost me by five points. And then uh, Scarproof, he went third. He kind of combined both of our strategies. And that's kind of the strategy of going third. You kind of combine that. And he basically, what it came down to with him is if he would have killed one more feral, that would have given him enough points to beat me. But he found his final feral with, like, time ticking down to seconds. And... He killed that feral with uh, 12 seconds overtime. So basically, oof, he would have had it if it wasn't for 12 seconds. Yeah. So uh, I've been there, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of, we went over that a little bit just with the, uh, you know, the time limits from the start to the finish. You know, everything was so close across the board in so many of these matches that everyone, you know, the people that were watching the matches were on the edge of their seats. It's just kind of one of those things where you don't expect it to come down 
that close. You know, you expect with a game where you have 15 different things that you're supposed to find that it's going to be, you know, five minute differences and 10 minute differences and things like that. But in right. each case, it was, you know, a minute, two minutes, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. It was, it was crazy. And I don't know if you felt you had an easy game, but I know for the whole tournament, I didn't have an easy game at all. Like every game I had was down to the wire. Yeah, no, there was not a single easy game in the entire tournament for me. <laughs> Except for your freebie win, maybe, maybe that one. <laughs> I wasn't going to get into that one, but yeah, uh, I did have the one free win where my opponents didn't show up. So we'll add that one. Was, was scared, easy, yeah. But, you know, other than that, I mean, all of the actual competitions were incredibly right, difficult. Exactly. Which that's something we definitely will be looking into um, for future tournaments is that we did have some people not showing up, which kind of um, ruined the aspects of some of the games. So uh, we are looking into a different system to use next time. That way, if people don't show up, then it doesn't affect like the actual games of the tournament. So we're thinking about doing is using like a um, world cup group system and then basically a couple people make it out of each group and that way if people don't show up to their group matches they don't make it to the actual tournament it makes sense and it also i think that it's just a case of you know this was an online tournament that was you know you didn't have to sign up with any you know hard thing you didn't have to sign a contract or anything like that anything silly was a yeah i'm interested yeah you know sign me up sign me up and then life comes along and people just decide not to do it so i don't know i'm hoping that you know moving forward for undead trials three and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine ten um we'll have a heavier uh you know involvement and a heavier dedication the first couple rounds but you know i'm sure that there no matter how much planning we don't we do or you do uh there are always going to be a couple people that are supposed to play at x time and then just don't show yeah definitely and i understand when people um have things come up and stuff but uh it was frustrating that some people you know didn't have things come up and they like you would see them online playing games and they still weren't showing up to the match it's like well, why are you online playing games you're not even showing up your match but it is what it is <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and especially in the case in some cases where you know there wasn't a notification from the player saying oh by the way you know i'm not i'm not feeling it i don't really want to do this i watched a match and it's right. not you know it's not something that i'm interested in anymore it was more of the you know the ghost thing was was kind of annoying and it's just kind of frustrating for the other players as well because if you put time aside for you know for playing a match in a tournament and then you know one person doesn't show up or two people don't show up it's uh, it can be incredibly frustrating it can lead to a that particular player having a, a you know a bad taste in their mouth for future tournaments or for future online events and that's you know that is definitely not what undead trials is about it's not what this community in general is about so hopefully moving forward like i said we'll have a we'll have a more dedicated turnout um from you know round one on and that's just to be clear that is not saying that the competitors that that did take part and go all the way to the finish weren't dedicated i mean the folks that signed up and then didn't show or the folks that signed up and then um didn't notify blaze or their refs about the fact that you know the the interest had waned or something else had come up or something along those lines definitely because basically once we got to round three from round three on, it was very stiff competition, and I think from round three on, like round three started on Thursday, I think once round three started, we only had maybe three people not show up to a match the whole time, and all three of them were like, they had personal issues going on at the time, so, you know, basically from round three on, it was pretty good, just because we were doing a double elimination, we had to give people, you know, their due time to actually uh, jump in if they wanted to, because we did have a couple cases where someone completely ghosted round one, 
but they actually showed up for round two. So I wanted to at least be fair and give people the chance to show up, and it did actually happen with a couple people. Like Madru, for example, he missed his first round one game. He forgot about the tournament, and then he showed up to round two, and he actually won in round two, and he made it to round three. So that did happen a couple cases. Well, I will say that you are a better man than I, then, because <laughs> I would have been pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried not to get it that way, but... <laughs> And that's why you were in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> but we did have a couple other games we didn't talk about yet. Uh, we did mention Finders Keepers and Scavenger Hunt. So do you want to talk about kind of the difference between these games? Sorry, I just had a, a sip of tea. <laughs> You're going to have to like, kick it off. I'm having a coughing fit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So yeah, basically Finders Keepers is a searching game. and Scavenger Hunt is also a searching game. The difference between them is Scavenger Hunt asks the players to find a list of items, where Finders Keepers asks the players to find a one item, but find the most of it. So, for example, a classic Finders Keepers game would be uh, find me some food rucksacks, and then basically the person that finds the most food rucksacks, they win. A Scavenger Hunt classic game would be, uh, okay, I want you to find me a meds rucksack, I want you to find me a bandage, find me a snack, and find me a stack of ammo or something like that. And then basically the one that finds all those items first, they win that game. So that's kind of the difference between the two. Exactly. And again, sorry about that. Um, just the, the cough is still <laughs> sticking around a little bit. Um, and I will say that, you know, I enjoyed them both. Uh, what I think is what I enjoyed the most was finding the entire list of things, you know, and uh, having to find, you know, one gun of one type and then a med kit and then a, a rucksack of... Um, parts or, or whatever uh, I enjoyed that a lot because that meant that it was uh, you used some of your your map knowledge you know in in a more in a more extensive way than in um, finders keepers uh, where you know if you knew you had to get a medical supply you would go to you know, one of the pharmacies, you would go to the hospital, you would go to something right. like that. Um, if you knew you needed parts, you would go to, um, you know, a, a, warehouse, a, a warehouse or a farmer supply, um, something like that. Whereas, you know, where you're just trying to get as many parts as you possibly can, um, what I kind of saw and what I kind of uh, thought was going to happen with that was that you would, you would search where you thought and then you'd look at the map and be like, oh, that's right. There's that. Uh, there's that water pump down there that uh, that Sarkoth is in, and I'm gonna go down there. And oh, wait a minute. There's that. Uh, there's that warehouse over there that uh, that blazes in. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that one up because that's probably a good spot too. Um, and I think that it it was more limited in terms of like where you needed to go and where you you really wanted to focus. Whereas if you have, you know, six or seven or eight or ten items that you're supposed to gather up, you're going to be hit in as many places as you possibly can. No, absolutely. And one of the things we didn't mention about these games yet that I think made them a little bit more challenging and a lot more fun is that basically the referee was always the host and they would use the tethering ring to their advantage. So basically the ref would kind of be walking along the road or some refs, I think, drove. Um, I know when I did it, I always walked because I wanted to kind of slow it down for players. but uh, basically, the ref would be moving along a road or something, and you'd have to keep up with that ref because if you didn't keep up with them, you were going to get tethered. Yeah, for my uh, for my first match with Sarkoth was the ref. He actually gave us all trucks, so he gave us all the same car, and he was in a car as well. And he would say, "Okay, 
three minutes until we're moving to this zone and mark it on the map. And that way we knew that we had to either start moving in that direction or hop in our, uh, hop on our truck and move over there ourselves. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Like there was a lot of movement around the map in that one where, you know, we had to both stay within the tether and try and keep our trucks nearby in order to, to use them you know, to our advantage, be able to, to move around the map in an effective manner. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think for me, I probably like finders keepers better uh, because I know you're talking about you like to find the list, but uh, I think it's kind of a little bit biased because my round one game was so fun. that I think that's why I like it a little better because round one, I had a game finders keepers and uh, sizzle was the ref and he asked us in the round one of the game to find food rucksacks. And I, I was facing Brad's Burgers and Radiation were the players I was facing. Basically, Brad found like two food rucksacks right off. And then Radiation and I were finding none the whole game. We were just you know, looking everywhere. We weren't finding any. We were having bad luck. And then Radiation actually found a couple. And I was, you know, kind of sweating. And I was like, oh, shoot, you know, I'm going to you know, lost the first game of the tournament. Like, oh, man, this is bad. You know, this is going so bad. I eventually found one. By the time I found one, um, they were still at two. So I'm like, oh, dang, this is not good. And then the final five minutes uh, of that round, I actually found a food rucksack and I brought it to Sizzle. But what I didn't let them know at the time is that in that same house, I found a second food rucksack. So I hurried up and I went back and got that one. And then I brought that one to Sizzle with like less than a minute left. And I actually took the lead, which means I didn't have to play in the um, kind of tiebreaker game. So I was automatically making round two. Nice. Nice. And then round two was kind of the same thing. Basically, I was facing uh, Brad and I was at, I think he jumped up to a lead of two to one. I tied it two to two. And then the final minute, I brought back a rucksack. And then the final like 10 seconds, Brad brought back a rucksack. So it was tied up. We had to go to a tiebreaker and I won the tiebreaker. So like just the intensity of that first match, like I think that's why I like Finders Keepers so much because... I kind of, you know, recall that first match and how much fun I had, and that's probably why I like it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Oh, but yeah, honestly, all yeah. the games were pretty great. I mean, you know, Scavenger Hunt is cool, too, and I know um, Sarkoth and I think Sizzle did this a little bit, too, towards some of the later matches where it got down to, like, the last, you know, elite couple of players. Uh, they kind of combined these games a little bit, where there's, like, tiebreakers and... You know, okay, you have to find, okay, the championship, for example, we had, okay, you know, a tiebreaker could be if you have um, more of this item than somebody else, then you might actually get the win over them. Mm-hmm. So they kind of combine those. And one one really quick thing about this is that because the competitors were joining into the host's game, uh, it ensured that host bias did not take effect. So any host of a State of Decay game will always, or I think the 99% of the time will have more loot in a given building than anyone else. Um, player right. two, three, and four have a chance at, you know, between zero and five loot locations, but player one will basically be guaranteed to have loot in every single building in every single location on the map. Um, the reason that the ref is the host is to eliminate that bias, is to make sure that when everyone else joins, they're all kind of on the same playing field in terms of number of loot items in a given location. Whereas if one of the players was the host, that would give them a definitive advantage, both in tether, 
um, because it would mean that they would be able to limit where their opponents could go uh, and in just general loot availability. So I just thought that it was uh, important to kind of point that out in order to you know, just kind of demonstrate the, the amount of thought that went into this to ensure that there was a balance between the additional three players when trying to look for loot or trying to look for um, ferals or trying to look for, you know, juggernauts or whatever. Absolutely. And kind of bouncing off that, too, um, we started to realize very early on that it was definitely more beneficial to have a fresh map for these games. So most of the refs um, would go to a new map before they start one of these games, because if they know they're doing a searching game, they wanted to give everyone a fair chance at a map because sometimes um, rests and not really their fault exactly, you know, because they might not have um, known this already. We'll make it more of a point in the next tournament, but in the next tournament, we're going to make it a point that it has to be a fresh map for any searching game because if it's a fresh map, you're going to have more chances at loot where in some of these games, you know, the players didn't really have a lot of loot to search between. Right, and I mean, that makes sense. You know, the, the refs in general are going to be playing... Um, communities that they've already played before. They're going to be playing their, you know, number two community or number three community for the most part. And those maps, you know, they're going to be used. They're going to be found. You know, you're going to have a, a general map already laid out where you know where play cards are or were. You know where buildings are uh, or have been looted. Um, and the thing about that kind of issue is when you load up a map, like if you load into a map as a player two or player three or player four, and the majority of the map is already exposed, you can actually see as player two what buildings don't have loot for you. So it gives you that little bit of knowledge and it gives you that little bit of information of, okay, well, there's no point in even going over here. Um, it's unlikely that that happens on a large scale, but when you're not using a fresh map, that's something else that can happen and that's something else that happened um, in these games as well. So uh, I think that right. it's, a, it's a really good call out moving forward to ensure that you know we're using fresh maps on every single round and just kind of putting that out there from the start no i agree for sure and you know before we move on from talking about scavenger hunt and finders keepers uh we can't move on from that without talking about your one loss the whole tournament so do, uh, do we have that to game? <laughs> yeah this was on actually on friday you were facing um screw loose and you're facing harsh not royal and uh, basically this was make or break for Harsh. You know, if he lost and he was out, you and Shrewdlewis hadn't lost yet. And this was the biggest upset of the entire tournament. You know, there was no bigger upset. Basically, Harsh took out both of you and gave you your first loss. And um, Oh, man, I'm really getting really thirsty. Let me just uh, let me just get some drink <laughs> here and we can, we can, you know, pick this up in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. You know? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you got revenge on him, so I'll, I'll say that you know, before we move on. You did get revenge, so <laughs> no. I mean, to to be to be completely fair, I mean, the game was amazing. The game was amazing, and I like it came down to it. Literally came down to um, a tenth of a point, you know, between me and it Harsh. Uh, it was it was insane. You know, we we both had an incredible amount of luck and then an incredible amount of bad luck, where you know, we went on tears where we were just turning in stacks and stacks of stuff. And then towards the end of the game, we couldn't find anything. Like we were, we were looting houses. We were looting factories. We were looting uh, electrical substations. We were looting police stations and cars and everything. And just nothing was dropping for either one of us. And um, I remember vividly 
when it happened, when I walked away, I knew where Sarkoth was going to go next. So I got there uh, ahead of Royal. And as I walked away, a an enclave spawned in for Royal. And he ended up getting one piece of, uh, I think, five that he needed um, in order to, to turn in for the very end for the score. And it was one firecracker. And that one firecracker turned out to be the win for him. It gave him uh, the points needed because he had three out of five, which was 60% of that stack. And I ended up having, I think... Like 45%, right? 45%. 7 out of 14. Yeah, 7 out of 14, or 7 out of 15, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, 7 out of 15. And so if that one firecracker hadn't been there, if that one enclave hadn't spawned in, you know, that's that's the difference in the tournament. That uh, that puts him down to 40%, me at 45, and, you know, that's that's a win, and Harsh is out of the tournament. And, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy that that, you know, that that game came down to, you know, that small of, uh, of an event like that, that tiny thing. And it's, that's Absolutely. kind of how that game works. You know, it's, well, what, what if I looted that one house? You know, I ran past there. There was one, there was one item left in there. What if I had searched that one? You know, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of second guessing afterwards. If you're like me and you, you know, think about oh, everything. I definitely am. <laughs> and I, we'll, we'll get into my game, my second guess after, because we haven't talked about time trials yet, but when we get to that, we'll talk about my game where I second guess myself. But, um, <laughs> I, I know in uh, round one of that, though, I actually missed pretty much all of round one because um, I think I was like taking a one-hour nap or something like that, and basically Sarkoth, I know he was saying afterwards that uh, Screwloose was actually in the lead at one point, but then you came back from behind. Was that true? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, I was out. I was out. There was not. I didn't stand a chance in that one. Um, I was going to be out in the first, uh, the first part of that game, um, because the how it worked was we needed to put I think five rucksacks or four rucksacks into our truck uh, before we could move on and start gathering other pieces of items. We before we could gather guns and parts and you know the explosives and all the other stuff that Sarkoth had had rolled up on his wheel of pain, um, and I couldn't find any. Literally, like I could not find a single rucksack. I had Sarkoth move uh, three times, like up and down the main road, in order to open up more buildings because I had looted literally every single item across that entire section of the map and hadn't found a single ruck. Uh, and so, you know, the other guys are, you know, they're done with their rucks, they're getting their items, they're turning stuff in. I'm just sitting here going, oh man, what a pain, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, undead trials one champion and i'm gonna get knocked out this quickly and um it was the same kind of thing that that you went through where you know you right. it just kind of turned around and once i got the exactly exactly and once i got the rucksacks or once i started getting the rucksacks at that point because i had already known the items that i needed i'd filled my backpack so i walked up to sarkoth and said here's number five also, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. And it came down to, uh, I finished five of the six items, I think, in two minutes. And then all I needed was a couple of crossbow bolts, and that was it. And uh, it was it was an, an epic turnaround that was reliant entirely upon you know my finding that last rucksack and if i hadn't found it i mean that's it like i'm not i'm not moving on or i'm not you know getting that win and the entire story is different so it was 
it was crazy. Like it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. And kind of like you talked about, that's exactly how I felt in round one too. I mean, because round one is like, oh man, I can't lose round one. Like this is round one of the tournament. This is the first day. Like I, I can't lose this. And I was behind like the whole game. And in the last five minutes, I turned it around. So it's kind of the same story as you. Exactly. Exactly. And that, I mean, that was throughout the entire tournament. There was stuff like that. Um, and it was, it was, it was amazing. Like looking again, going back to kind of scar proof, like, you know, he lost round one by three seconds and then he came back and started winning. So it's how it was, it was just, it was fun. The entire, the entire competition was amazing. Yeah. And there were some close games like that the whole time. Cause I think there were some times too, I'm trying to remember the game, but I think it was a game that a small hedge was in that he won where he was in a scavenger hunt game and he kind of played it differently. I think he was against, um, or thank you. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of the game against Han Solo Dolo in 10 meter. Oh, okay. Because yep, I think, yep. I think he was, I think he was behind in that game and he actually had the strategy of, you know, kind of playing it coy because the whole game he was behind and basically Han Solo Dolo, he actually had two more rucksacks he hadn't turned in, but he was so far ahead that I think it kind of got to his head. Like, Oh, I, I have nothing to worry about, you know? And then right at like the last minute, a small hedge comes in, he turns in all of his stuff at once and then he's automatically Ooh, tied. And brutal. I, I think brutal. I think Han didn't really think of that because then afterwards Han's like, "Well, I have two more." And, and I think um, I guess Harsh was actually the referee for that one. But I guess it's like, "Well, you know, you didn't turn him in in time, so I guess sorry." Right. <laughs> like, so oh, like, that's brutal. So yeah, basically, that, Han lost the tiebreaker. Ah, brutal, brutal. But that also brings up another thing that was, you know, the some of the refs that were involved in this were were competitors to start with and they stepped up when you know those kind of those gaps and that that call went out you know the bat signal went in the air and uh and the call went out of you know are there people out there that are in, involved in the game um that would like to ref or be interested in ref in refing and i think that to the credit of the community and to the credit of the those that uh, were taking part i mean I, I think that everyone that refed did an amazing job. Like people really put their heart and soul into this and put their communities in, into this as well. You know, sacrificing, fully sacrificing community health and community happiness uh, within oh, the yeah, game definitely. in order to, to ensure that people had fun. I mean, there, was, there were games that I was seeing where the host uh, or the ref had set up 30 cars for people to choose from. And that is a right. giant pain in the butt. Like that is significant time an effort put into you know planning a game that's gonna last for an hour so i just yeah my hat goes off to everyone that you know stepped up and and reft and yourself and everyone else who reft in this because it was like i said it was a, a significant time commitment um that went into it and i'm just i'm proud of everyone that did that and that took the time to to help make this a success no and so am i and i definitely appreciate everyone who helped out i mean kind of like you said like at one point i remember i was talking um i think it was like on a friday or saturday when the tournament was almost over but i was talking to sizzle i'm like yeah my community morale is at negative 27 right now because like i was so busy setting up games that i didn't have any time to you know focus on my community at all so like i was switching maps all the time like i had nothing built at base like so my community like hated me so yep <laughs> it was yep. kind of funny and that was you know that was kind of the story across the uh across the entire tournament was you know the people that were that were setting these games up had run out of parts they'd run out of weapons they'd run out of cars you know they'd run out of all this stuff and um even in the championships, Sizzle yeah. ran out of influence. Exactly, so. he ran out of influence, so we couldn't call in cars anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it. 
like I said, it just goes to show the kind of the effort and the love that this community has for this game that, you know, the, that people that weren't necessarily directly involved in the coordination of Undead Trials 2 were willing to sacrifice a lot of, you know, their loot and their, their real life gaming time, um, to, you know, to give a good experience to the people that were, that were involved or that were still in the tournament or hadn't been knocked out in some cases, you know, some, some of the refs had been knocked out of the tournament prior to that point and they still stuck around and they still helped and they, you know, refed games and, and kind of went above and beyond and dropping off uh, repair kits and, and all these other things that people did. That was just amazing. It was just amazing. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it goes without saying too, that um, some of these refs, I think Andy, for example, he might even ref more games than Sizzle and I did. So, like, Andy ref a lot of games, which we really appreciate, too, you know? So, thank you, Andy, for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes without saying. I mean, and some of the most kind of innovative stuff came from people that weren't, you know, necessarily original designers of Undead Trials. You know, Sarkoth with his Wheel of Pain, for example. Exactly. And kind of one of the ones I was going to get into next, which is a good segue, is uh, Morris actually reinvented Time Trials Racing because... The way time trials racing was originally designed to go is you do a lap around, you know, the ref kind of sets a course and you do laps around that course, but you get a full tank of gas to start. But after that full tank of gas runs out, you have to find gas somewhere in the world and keep going on your lap. So basically, the longer the lap was, like in round two, when it's one versus one, the laps were longer. So your laps would kind of go longer and you had to find more gas. So you had to do like five laps or three laps of this course and kind of do it fast in the opponents. Well, Maras was actually inventive and he created this whole other component to it where uh, in the original version, people were allowed to harass each other. Like, you know, you throw firecrackers and things like that to draw more zombies. Uh, what That way, when somebody stops for gas, they can kind of, you know, have more zombies around them. They can be distracted a little more. Maras actually took it to a whole new level and he made a smaller racing track. But the difference is, in his smaller racing track, he actually allowed uh, what he called coyotes to, you know, go after the person that was racing and actually hit their car, you know, do damage to their car. And it made it a lot more interesting that way because it was a smaller track, so you didn't have to worry about the refueling aspect as much, but you had to worry about people hitting you, knocking you off course. So people could set traps for each other and things like that. So I actually played that game a couple times, and it's actually a really fun version, so... You know, we definitely appreciate people like that that were innovative. You know, uh, Maras did some innovations there. Sarkoth did a lot of innovations. Um, Andy did some innovations with Demolition Derby, which we'll talk about next. But, you know, uh, Time Trials Racing, I think, was really innovative to do. I agree. I agree. And I think that, it, you know, both aspects or both style of game have their have their positive sides too because in the finals we had a we had a general time trial where we raced around the entire map. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It, you know, it was a lot of fun and it really kind of focused on the driving aspect and how good you were in terms of knowing the map and, and making the turns and, um, kind of just, you know, standard time trial stuff. But in the kind of combative time trial coyote version, you know, it ensures that everyone is involved in the entire time and kind of gives your opponents a better chance to, really negatively impact your your score and your ability to complete that challenge so i think that they both have definite merit for you know undead trials two three four five six seven and ten absolutely and kind of one of the things i'm gonna look into you know with sizzle and other people is 
uh, some of these new versions, like, say, Morris's, you know, Coyote uh, version, like, Roadrunner Coyote version, and maybe, like, Sarkov's version of I Can, like, I might actually make these just full games by themselves and keep, like, okay, you can either play original I Can or you can play new version of I Can. You can play original Time Trials or you can play the new version of Time Trials. And I think they might serve well as their own games. That way the original is still the same attack. We also have the new versions too. I agree completely. I agree completely. And I think that, you know, it's something else that you can look into, you know, moving forward and something else that can be looked into for, you know, having or allowing the individual competitors to to make that decision or to have input into the decision around kind of the games that might be played. Um, but you know that's a that's a completely another discussion for you know future days <laughs> definitely no and that's kind of one of the things too i mean we're definitely looking for more people to help out next time because uh we did have some people that you know were supposed to be helping out um more in this but they just had real life come up and you know for example yourself you were supposed to Sorry. have a couple <laughs> of games but obviously you got pneumonia so you know we don't blame you for that you know it, it happens but <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't happen again to anyone. But. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't happen again. That would uh, that would be disappointing. <laughs> but then uh, one of our organizers, Mr. Dart, basically once round one ended, so like Monday, basically, um, he had to drop out of the rest for personal reasons. And, you know, we didn't have Mr. Dart for the rest of the tournament. So basically Kay Sizzle and I were doing everything on our own from Tuesday on. So that was a little bit difficult. And then another one of our people that was going to ref more for us was Rabbit, but Rabbit had internet issues all week, so, you know, we kind of lost some key cogs that we were planning on, but um, it just kind of goes to show, you know, how great the community is, like you were saying, because we have people step up that before this tournament, you know, we didn't really know as well. Like, for example, I Kill You, you know, he stepped up a lot, um, Andy stepped up a lot, you know, we have people stepping up, like, even um, Death Crow covering a game on short notice, you know, Harsh covered one game on short notice, so we have people stepping up like these people that they weren't really planned to step up as much as they had to, but, you know, when the time arose, they actually stepped up and helped, so we really appreciate that, and it just kind of goes to show that, you know, next time, we're going to have these people that stepped up this time we didn't expect, and then hopefully, you know, next time we'd have people like Mr. Dart, yourself, and Rabbit actually able to help out, so we'd have a lot more coverage. Exactly, and that'll let you have more than, you know, 12 hours of sleep in a week. <laughs> yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to. Well, because one of the things in Undead Trials 3 that I definitely want is I don't want to have to ref a lot of as, as many games as I did myself because I love refing the games, but I do feel that as an organizer, I kind of want to be there to watch the games and kind of um, provide guidance or, you know, handle issues as they arise because there's a couple of times during the tournament that issues were coming up, but I was also the scheduled ref for the next game. So it's like, well, I have to ref, but I also have to, you know, do the organizer stuff. So like, it was kind of a pickle that I was in. So I'm hoping that I don't have to get into that pickle as much next time. Well, you handled it like a champ. So I would say that, you know, if those things did come up or if those events did come up, you know, I, for one, didn't really notice them. Uh, it wasn't something they came across as something that was incredibly uh, uh, invasive or problematic from a participant standpoint for my side anyway so well done well thank you i mean i know the i can game you did against sarkoth and andy like that was one of the times we had an issue really because um something came up with sizzle he was supposed to ref the other game that was happening at the same time but uh unfortunately you know he had some issues come up where he couldn't do it and it just so happened that in my last game before that game 
uh, Harsh was one of the competitors. He was still in the party chat with me. He's like, well, I can ref it if you want. And, you know, so Harsh stepped up at like, you know, a couple seconds notice. He refed that game for us. Exactly. Exactly. And Harsh is a good guy. He was a he was a, a crazy hard competitor. He was freaking awesome. I'm glad he I'm glad he took part. Absolutely, and you know he made semifinals. And, you know, oh yeah, making he almost semifinals kicked my butt. Huge. <laughs> yes, he did kick my butt. <laughs> he did. But we do have one other game we didn't talk about yet, and that's Demolition Derby. And this was kind of I noticed. I don't know if you noticed this as well, but I noticed a lot of the refs that kept refing. They kind of had like their signature game. You know, Morris had his like Coyote time trials racing. My signature was kind of like I can. It seemed like Sizzled like to do a lot of finders keepers or like um, scavenger hunt stuff. And then Andy's kind of signature game was Demolition Derbies. And oh yeah, you actually got to participate in one of those. So you oh, know, yeah, you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, and this was uh, this was a, a demo derby, and it's on my it's on my channel. I'm sure it's on Andy's as well. Um, where you know we we actually had a an early. Uh, start you know we we started playing through we had um some just we had some rules clarifications that we needed to go through because we started off with being allowed to get out of the car and kind of and throw small explosives at each other so if you know if andy and harsh were were going at it and were slamming into each other i could hop out and throw some throw molotov or something along those lines and um unfortunately that that kind of led to other completely legal tactics that didn't fit with kind of what we were going for, for, for a demo derby. So we restarted, rebuilt all the cars, restarted and, and went back in and we were in the, um, we were in the quarry area and the three of us just, just crashed the absolute crap out of each other's cars. It was amazing. And there were points where, you know, the, the physics would take over and head-to-head smashes yes, would send is. a car up over a building, you know that kind of stuff. And uh, you know it was a it was a a clip fest is what I like to call it because um, you know there was one point where uh, after Harsh had been knocked out, he was given permission to like kind of like shell into the uh, into the play space, and he hit me with a with a random explosion as I. Um, rammed into uh andy and uh oh no sorry screw screw and ended up flying all the way over the top of the factory and landing on the other side of the factory um so it was just it was it was a crazy event it was uh it came down to the wire actually um where screw actually ran out of gas as i was kind of hitting him into oblivion and I had my, my last car left and it wasn't smoking. I still had some gas left and we called it at that point because he just, you know, he had no more functional vehicles and I did, but it came, I mean, it came down to it. Like it came down to the wire. Um, and it was, it was crazy. Like, you know, the, the selection of cars mattered. Um, screw and I had, uh, heavier cars in general, but harsh used his maneuverability better, made us crash into rocks. So like, you know, we would be chasing him or I'd be chasing him around behind the factory. And there's one little ramp that if you have a light enough car, you can ride up the side of the mountain and kind of get behind the factory. And he would use that to get away from me and screw. And then we would be stuck in this little zone. We'd be like, Oh God, he got away. Let's just beat on each other again. And he'd be, just be sitting up there giggling in his tiny little clown car. And, um, 
and it it yeah i know that kind of um upsets screwless a little bit because i was kind of watching it you know honestly like it, in his defense like that's kind of the tactic harsh had to take because that's the cars he was dealt like he didn't have a lot of big cars he had to use you know his maneuverability so exactly. i kind of understand why he was doing that a little bit exactly and and it worked i mean it frustrated me it frustrated screw and we took it out on each other now you know to his to harsh's detriment when he did return to the fray you know he had two very large trucks that were very upset with him and wanted to talk to <laughs> yes. him about some things and you know we um we may have spoken a little uh a little harshly uh, when we got him stuck in a corner and just started slamming into him over and over and over again. Um, But, you know, he again was able to rabbit out of that, get away, make us hit each other more. So I think that, you know, he, he played the hand that he was dealt incredibly well and he played it as, you know, the quick antagonist. He was the the one zipping around. He was the one making us waste our fuel going after him when we, you know, in our minds, we should have known we couldn't catch him. Should have just been like, all right, well, eventually he has to come to us. Like, this, that's the game type. He has to come over here. And we're going to pound him into the ground when he does. In the meantime, let's just destroy each other. Um, but that's not what we did. And we wasted a ton of fuel and a ton of, uh, a ton of kind of, you know, car hit points, as it were, uh, ramming into each other and ramming into, you know, the terrain itself and uh, wrecked cars and getting uh, getting hit by random explosives and stuff like that and zombies and all that. So, I mean, he played it about as well as he possibly could, given the, the cars that, that he had drafted. Um, and just to be clear for, for those of you that are listening and didn't watch the match, how it worked was um, we, we basically... Uh, chose lots to to make it easy and the first person to choose the correct lot got to pick their set of cars and i went second i picked another set um and harsh i believe went third and picked uh you know was quote-unquote stuck with with his cars and he had one heavy and two lights um whereas i had two mediums and one heavy and that is basically what screw had as well he had one heavy and two mediums so. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious to hear your take on this, too, because I wrote up um, for the final eight players that were in the semifinals on the Discord. I kind of wrote up like small little stories about how they got there. And one of the things I wrote uh Royal strategy or Royal's like story, basically, is that, you know, one of the things I noticed when looking at his schedule up to that game, he'd only ever played scavenger hunt or finders keepers games. So he'd only ever played searching games. So do you think that actually played into you know, him not doing as well in this game because he had never had experience with any other game. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I think that um, he played it, like I said, he played it incredibly well given the vehicles that he had. Like, you know, he knew that he couldn't take us head on and he tried. You know, he started off, when we first started, he took a couple of huge, huge, just physics-defying hits where he would just go tumbling. Um and took a, a lot of damage from you know staying in the mix with two much larger vehicles so you know once that started to happen he adjusted perfectly you know he adjusted perfectly to deal with the you know the competition that he had and what we had chosen for our starting cars and all that stuff and when 
you know, the first two cars were out of commission. He went to his medium vehicle and came out and like rumbled a little bit more. And once that went down, he was, you know, down to a lighter vehicle again. And he went back to being the rabbit. He went back to being chased. So I think right. that I don't know that I would have played it any differently had I been in his shoes. You know, what I might have done, the only thing that I can think of is try and bait the other cars into kind of hitting more environmental um, hazards and try and bait them into running into like zombie hazards. Cause I know we had, I think we had a, a juggernaut spawn in or like wander onto the battlefield. We had a, a feral wander onto the battlefield. So like try and get those guys involved in order to kind of swing the balance in my favor. Whereas, you know, maintaining that, uh, the rabbit aspect of, of trying to avoid conflict eventually did get him stuck because, you know, both myself and Screw were finally just kind of like, okay, we got to deal with this because he's nibbling away at our flanks while we're trying to wail on each other. And um, his last car went, went boom and it went boom big. Uh, but even then, to his credit, you know, he stayed in that car a lot longer than I would have. He chased down Screw, and I want to say did significant damage to the car that Screw was in just by hitting him with the car right before it exploded and bailing Spot, out. Yep. <laughs> so, like, he, I honestly, I have to applaud him, especially knowing that he didn't play any um, kind of racing games or uh, time trials-based games before this point simply because, you know, he adjusted incredibly well to the hand that he was given. And, you know, once we got into the main game of Demo Derby, you know, he played it as well as he could. And he played it um, in a way that kept him alive for a significant amount of time. And eventually just, you know, he ran out of luck and he got hit hard a couple of times and that was it. Yeah, it's nice to hear you talk about that too, because during that match, uh, Sarkoth and I were actually in a chat and during the whole match, we were watching it, kind of, you know, debating the strategy back and forth because there were certain points that we thought Shrewloos might be in the lead based on damage, and there are certain points we thought you might be in the lead, but we could always see that uh, Harsh Knight Royal was the last for the whole match, and we did think that in his def in his perspective, he should be, you know, hitting you guys much less than he did because, for example, when he was down to his last car, like, if I'm down to my last car and neither one of you guys have lost a car yet... I am not going to be engaging you guys at all. Like I'm going to be zipping by you guys, making you guys crash into each other, but I would not be taking any hits at all. Exactly. Exactly. I would just be like, you know, I'd be, I'd be on the field, but I would rely on the fact that I can get away and just kind of taunt, right. you know, you, you sit between exactly. the two, you sit between the cargo crates because you know, you can yeah, fit so in I there. thought he misplayed that a little bit, mm -hmm. but it seemed like he tried to do the best he could with it. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, that's just, that's a couple things, you know, that's a length of the game. You know, we had been playing for a good hour at that point, I think. Um, and that's a long time to focus on controlling your car and making the best choices that you can in terms of, you know, not taking unnecessary damage. And for him, uh, especially considering the fact that he wasn't involved in like the big hits and the big chases and stuff like that, he was on the receiving end a good amount. Um, but he he wasn't like the uh, the one that was really dishing it out as often as as you know myself and Screw were. You know that can wear on you too, because you you know you don't sometimes sometimes you want to be King Hippo and you don't want to be Little Mac, and uh, 
And I think that that's what it came down to is he, he got into that mindset of, you know, well, I want to be King Hippo, you know, I want to run him right. over for a little bit. <laughs> right. um, and he did, you know, he hit me a couple times where, you know, my, despite the fact that, you know, in, in real life, my truck would have, you know, pancaked him. Uh, he hit me in such a way that I went flying backwards and put me in real risk of, you know, an, an inadvertent explode just from rolling over onto the rocks and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, there were there were aspects of it that that could be changed, but you know, it all wears down on you after a while. You know, you just want that hit, you want that satisfying, you want the you know, where's the ground shaking, kaboom, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like you've been playing this, and you just you know, I want to watch him fly. You know, let's let's hit him hard and watch him fly. And I think you know, after an hour of uh, of off again, on again, um, demo derby, like that's that's the kind of thing that can that can wear on you. And so I think that maybe you know that might be my only criticism is maybe he fell into that trap. But overall, I mean, ninety nine percent of the time, he his tactics in that in that match were, were spot on. He was, he but was at the end of the, the day. Endless. I mean, like yeah. this is all going to be stuff that he can use for undead trials three, because he has already said he wants to come back. So if he comes back, he's already going to have this experience in demo derby that he can use that next time. Exactly. Exactly. And that's another thing. Like that's, you know, now that we know kind of what some of the games are, you can train yourself too. like in your game, you're playing by yourself and you're like, okay, well, now I know that we're playing demo derby. Maybe I start fishtailing a little more. Maybe I start swinging the tail of the truck around in order to, to get that hit on the juggernaut or to get the hit on that feral. And doing that kind of thing in game trains you. Um, and I, I know it's, it's really silly, kind of silly to say, but it trains you to be able to, you know, react to the situation in a tournament where, you know, a giant truck is coming at you at full speed and you don't want to take that hit head on. Like if you can take that hit on your, on your, your tail, that's way better for you and way worse for them. And if you can, you right. know, fishtail your back end into the front of their truck, like that's going to be beneficial in the long run. Or even so. better yet, if you can move out of the way and let them hit the rocks. Exactly. That's even better. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, the only thing I know you definitely did walk away with that a with win and you actually made the championship. But the one thing that I will say that Sarkoth and I were debating during the match is that during that match, it did look at certain points like Shrewloose might be in the lead. And we were kind of questioning how much you actually were going after Royal because it seemed like in your position, it wasn't smart to go after him because um, Shrewloose actually had a big boss that was you know giving you a lot of trouble for most of the match. And basically, it didn't stop giving you trouble until it ran out of gas. But essentially, what we were thinking is that you should be trying to team up with Royal to go after that big boss, but instead you're going after him. So do you want to talk about some of your strategy with that? Yeah, sure. Um, my strategy at that point, at that point in the match, I still had my repair kit and I still had my gas can and I hadn't grabbed uh, my largest, heaviest car yet. So in my mind, I knew that uh, Screw had already used his gas. He'd already repaired the big boss which meant that the amount of damage that it could do at that point was limited by the amount of gas that it had left. And by avoiding him and by going after Screw, I was actually saving my car uh, for his future vehicles. Um, because the big boss is, is, it's the big boss. Like you're not, unless you're teaming up on him, it's not going to go down easy and it's going to take a ton of damage. It's with the giant plow in the front, it's going to mitigate everything right. that you do to the front end. And he just has the ability to just, you know, plow you 
yeah, he'll just hit you and you'll go flying. There's nothing you can do. So considering that, you know, that the plow and the fact that it's the big boss means that even if I fishtail my rear end into him, it's not going to do any damage or it's not going to, you know, the damage is going to be negligible. Um, he wasn't going to hop out of that thing and switch to another car. So the only real tactic that I had since, you know, Royal and I, you know, Harsh and I were not going to work together to, to take him out. It's just, you know, it's not, it's not how the, the match was working. It's not how we were working together. Um, so in my mind, I just said, okay, so I got to run his butt all over the place and make him run out of gas. I need to, I need to make him travel as far as I possibly can, as often as I can in order to get this thing out of so it sounds kind of like you were trying to win a war of attrition, knowing he oh, ran yeah. out of gas at some point, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, it was it was completely a war of attrition, um, because the the car that I had wasn't going to take that heads on, you know, it's not, and I'm not going to beat my head against the wall trying to take it down. Um, I'd rather go around the wall, and that's kind of what I was doing in that case was trying to avoid him as much as possible, trying to avoid that, you know, that big hit, um, and the, the the instantaneous kaboom, and deal with you know the smaller competitor that's still nibbling at me and still doing damage um and make him use his resources which he did you know he used all of his resources to keep that thing up which is you know deservedly so um because it is a you know it's a beast but that was that was the plan and the plan was to keep my uh was to keep the the van in reserve until the last moment when i would still have the ability to lay out the big hits because at that point you know the van is the biggest guy in the field and as long as i still have that uh, that repair kit and the gas can you know i could take out two of his cars with the van by itself so all i had to do was maintain the upper hand and make sure that i didn't lose you know my cars my other two cars taking out the big boss for the second time because we had already taken him down you know, Big Boss was smoking. It was black smoking, if I remember correctly, and we just lost track of him. Um, and he was able to uh, to get away and fix that thing up, which was, you know, obviously a tactical mistake on my part to let him do that in the first place. I should have just hounded his butt and just kept ramming him. But <laughs> yes. I mean, eventually, but even that's not going to work forever because, you know, he'll drive another car back there and he'll fix it. You know, I can't. Uh, I can't hound him continually throughout the entire game because that's just, you know, A, it's not the way that I play, and B, it's, you know, it's not really fair um, to him or, or to Harsh to, to ignore Harsh entirely just to take on Screw. So uh, I felt, you know, in in the moment and even thinking back on it, that really the best plan was to kind of go with what I was doing, which was, you know, give uh, give Screw a couple of big hits, you know, do that do the head on every now and then to keep his interest and then other than that avoid 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 go after uh go after harsh and make him run out of gas no it definitely makes sense it sounds a lot of like what i tried to do in my demolition derby game too because in mine i had the wichita es which that was believe it or not that was like the fastest and most maneuverable car that andy like allowed for choices so nice that's why that's why i picked that one because and then what I did is I actually hit it, because um, in that version, Andy allowed us to, you know, put our cars wherever we wanted before the match started. So I kind of like hit it in some bushes, like a little wooded area, and I kind of left it there the whole match. And Look at you, you tricky guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they eventually did find it, but it was uh, Manicor and uh, LVIR that I was facing. 
But basically my strategy with that was to leave that card there the whole match and never touch it, kind of like what we did with Bandito, because my thinking was I'll just use the two cards I have because we all got one Bandito and we all got you know two other cards besides that. And I'm like, I'll use the other two cards I have and I'll kind of use those to get the upper hand. And then if I really need it at the very end of the match, I'm going to have that Wichita waiting for me and I will absolutely be the most maneuverable person in the field. So if you know push comes to shove, I'm going to have the most maneuverable car at the, at the end of the game. And that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely, I mean, so you actually did kind of the reverse Harsh. You know, you were planning right. on, on doing the keep away move at the very end, whereas Harsh kind of smattered it in the the start and the end. You know, he had the the tiny car to start with, and then he went to his, his one medium to kind of mix it up and beat on us and then went back to the small car to uh to kind of taunt us and drive around and make us lose gas so i mean it's it's very similar in terms of the overall tactic that that you were both going for for the fast car for the fast small car i should say and i think that you know it goes to show that it is a it's a viable option you just need to keep taunting your opponent and get them pissed off so they don't focus on what you're doing right just the difference with that match though is uh andy actually had to start out to where how your match started out where you could actually th- get out of your car and throw bombs and stuff. And that wasn't placed for the whole match. So at the end of the match, it basically came down to eventually sudden death where um, it was me versus Manicore. And at the end of the match, we basically were both out of our cars, just, you know, slinging some bombs at the end of the game. And I, I beat him by a couple seconds with that. So. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of led into the start of our match where, you know, we were, we were driving around and then we looked over and Harsh was just standing outside of his car. He wasn't even in his car, just chucking grenades at, at our cars. And we were both, you know, Screw and I were both kind of like, whoa, 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 this is, this is Demo Derby. This isn't stand outside and destroy other people's cars. Cause you know, there's no way to, there's no way to mitigate that. Like you can't kill the other player. So it was, uh, it was just one of those things in our match that that didn't really sit well for myself or for for Screw. So we just needed to to kind of pause the game and just say, all right, let's 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 yeah. all meet up. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out what we want to do here because it doesn't seem like you know it, it fits in the the expected rule set for for something like. And I definitely play. understand that. Just at the time with our game, you know, that was the rules we had in place and we kind of just went with it because that's the rules that were in place. So like we all were, you know, fine with playing it out the way it was played out. And we, we just played it out that way. So, I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying. It's not like classic demolition derby, but that was kind of the rule set we were given. So like, we were like, all right, well, let's play it out this way. And I actually got off to a disadvantage for a while, but I ended up, you know, um, coming up with a strategy to come back into it. And basically I made it so where I could get a sudden death. And then I got a sudden death and I won sudden death. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and it definitely, it's, you know, it's a fun version of, um, of, uh, demo derby. I think that the, the problem that I ended up having with it on the map that we were on was that, I mean, A, there was a resupply point in the edge of the map where you could just stand there, grab grenades and chuck them onto the field endlessly. If you had, you know, if you had 500 grenades in your, enclave or in your community you could just stand there yeah, and literally yeah. Never i think that's stop. where the difference might come to play because we didn't have that resupply point like there mm-hmm. was still an outpost like far away but it was pretty far away because we were actually in the lake for our match and 
in the lake, like there was nothing around us that we could really resupply. Like he allowed us to search a little bit, but as you know, around that lake, there's not really a lot to search. Like there's that one refueling station. That's about it. So we could search if we wanted to, but it was basically, you know, if you're going to get Chuck Bob's, you basically had to come with what you had on you. And that's pretty much it. Right. And that I think is, uh, is kind of a good limitation on that particular, that game type. And I think that's something that should be reviewed for Undead Trials 3 through 10, 15, whatever. Um, because I think that it does give that little right. extra, you know, oomph to a demolition derby where, you know, oh, you know, those guys are fighting together. Let's let's hop out and hit them with some bloater gas, you know, or something, something equally nasty. Um, and it does make you keep an eye on all three competitors because you know that third person could be doing something super sneaky and as long as you're all kind of working with the same stuff then it's not a big deal yeah and what it actually came down to is basically i had a better bomb type than manicore had because uh i guess i don't know if he just didn't think of this bomb or what but i was using field bombs at the end and that's how i beat him by a couple seconds because my field bombs exploded and set his car on fire so you know my field bombs did better than his like he was using like uh, firecrackers and grenades and stuff. I'm like that's not going to work as well in the water. I'm like I'm just going to use field bombs and set you on fire. Nice, nice. Kind of like you were saying with sneakiness too. That's kind of how we got to sudden death because uh, I thought I had two cars left at the end of the match, and that he blew up one of mine and I blew up one of his. And I thought I had one car left, but it turns out that I guess at some point in the match, my Wichita ES that I had like hiding in a corner. I guess he walked over that and like blew that up on foot, but I didn't never know that. The ref didn't never know that. Like Andy was the ref, like and Andy kind of ruled. Well, I mean, if I didn't even know about that, like that's not really fair. So that's why he made sudden death because you oh, know Core never Manicor never made it known that like anyone ever blew that up because like you have to know if your car is blown up because I was making the point like my entire strategy changes if I know that car is blown up. So I mean so. That's why we went to sudden death. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So Manicor's like, oh yeah, sorry, you know, I, I probably should have said something in my bed. <laughs> no, yeah, and I, well, I think that that also comes to, you know, the kind of fleshing out the rules for, for future right, exactly. trials is, you know, do you have to tell someone? If you're using explosives, if you are in a Demolition Derby explosives game, you know, do you have to tell everyone? Um, right. And can you use explosives on parked cars uh and you know just little stuff like that and little stuff that you know we wouldn't think of or that you wouldn't think of in terms of kind of adjusting the not even exactly. not even adjusting the rules like you're playing within the rules and that was kind of what i said in our match to harsh it was like yeah you're playing within the rules but at the same time you know if you're not leaving the the resupply point and there's no way for us to actually hurt you it changes how the game is going to be played you know um and that was what happened in our game is you know we had to like i said we had to we had to sit down we deposit we had to to have a chat reset and uh and because of the placement of that resupply point we had to take a explosives out just because it wasn't <clears throat> yeah that sounds yeah. very fair to me because like in our match we didn't take it out and i think it makes more sense not to take it out in our version because we were at a different area you know the lake mm -hmm. there's not really a lot of resupply points at the lake so but another yeah, match that I had that was actually pretty close, um, I know you know this one a little bit, the one I have versus Morris, that's where I got my only loss before the championship, and this is what I alluded to earlier with the time trials racing. Uh, basically, this is a one-on-one -on -one match with me and Morris, because the third competitor, um, LDIR, he just uh, couldn't make it, he had some personal stuff come up, so he got eliminated that way. But it was basically myself versus Morris, and along with um, 
you and Screwloose at the time, we were the only four players left without a loss. And we mm-hmm. already know how you and Screwloose went, but uh, basically I got a loss to Morris, and that's how Morris became the only player left without a loss. And my match with Morris, it was a time trials racing game where it was like sort of a Coyote versus Roadrunner rendition, but Sizzle put a twist on it where you have to get as many laps as you can get in the time that you're given. But the twist he put on it was you also have to find 25 parts during that time. So nice. basically, if you didn't find 25 parts, then none of your laps counts. Like, say you did, I did, you know, 100 laps. If you didn't find 125 parts in that 100 laps, then you get zero laps. That's kind of how it works. So you had to find those parts at some point. And Morris went first. He did six laps and he found his 25 parts. So I was up next and I was trying to strategize. And basically, my strategy was. Okay, what I'm going to do first is get my laps done because I know I have to at least get six laps to, you know, uh, get them. So I did my seven laps first, which in hindsight, I should have left it at six laps, but I wasn't thinking at the time because at the time I wasn't thinking, okay, if I do six laps and then I do it before my time ends, I can beat him in a tiebreaker. I was thinking at the time, okay, I have to do seven laps to beat him. So in hindsight, I should have left it at six laps, which would have left me enough time to win. But basically, my strategy was do my laps first, get that out of the way, and then search my parts because Morris kind of searched a lot of buildings to find his parts. My strategy was, okay, I know there's this warehouse here. There's this um, power station here. Basically, I picked out like two or three places. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do my laps, search these two or three places, and that's going to be it. And that's basically the strategy that would have worked. I was just off by two seconds because I searched my last building and like... Sizzle called time, and once he called time, there's one more container in front of me that I was about to search. Brutal. And after he searched, after he called time, uh, and we did the results, I'm like, okay, let me search this container now to see what was in here because if I had mm-hmm. two more seconds, I was going to search this. I searched it. There's 21 parts. And I would have won by 10 parts. So. Well, and and I mean, I would probably do the same thing because you know how hard is it to find 25 parts? Really, like right, it's, exactly. you're gonna you're gonna find it in like three buildings. It's not gonna be something that's that's hard. It's not that, you know, that thing that you're gonna you're gonna you know lie awake at night and be like, oh god, I have to find twenty five parts. You know, that's the it's the easiest thing in the game. It's the most common thing in the game. So I would have done the exact same thing. I would have gone for the seven laps and been like twenty five parts, whatever. Give me a minute. Give me two minutes tops and I'll be fine. Right. And then, uh, and then you know, you end up shooting yourself in the foot because you're like, oh, God, it's 25 parts. You know, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. So It, it was just, it made a kind of like horrible feeling, kind of like you felt with your one loss. Like, because if I would have went to that building first, instead of the other building I went to first, I would have won. Or if I would have done the six laps, I would have won. If I would have done something else five seconds better, I would have won. It's like, how could I get those two seconds back? Like, there's anything I could have done to get those two seconds back, and I would have won. Like, it's just kind of hard to swallow a loss like that. It's like, oh man, two seconds? Like, literally anything I could have done would have won the game. Look, if we're going to start talking about that loss again, I have to go and start drinking something heavier than tea. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I talked about it too much, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> No, it makes sense. I mean, it's true, but I mean, that's true for, for any of the searching games. Um, and I think that one of the things that uh, that moving forward that will need to be, you know, adjusted or at least discussed is kind of what you need to find with the searching games. Um, because there is, a, there, is a, there is a definitive luck aspect to some of it, where if you, if you put into play kind of a rarer item, um, it, 
you know, it's not going to be something that everyone's going to find easily and it's going to, you know, come down to it's a little bit of luck. So I think that, you know, moving forward and especially into Undead Trials 3, 4, or 5, you know, we can kind of go over that and go over kind of setting as awesome as the Wheel of Pain is. There were some things on there that in my mind were, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't it was as even of a playing field as I would have liked uh, simply because of their inclusion. Um, and I think that that was kind of represented uh, in uh, in a couple matches. You know, the the fact that I found a weapon that used 357 bullets and no one else did. Like that's, you know, that indicates to me that maybe that item shouldn't be in there. Um, because if we're playing for, you know, 45 minutes and only one person finds one of those items, you know, that's the kind of thing where the rarity becomes a detriment to the enjoyment of both the participant and the viewer. Uh, because, you know, there's going to be some salt in there. You know, people are going to be a little, are going to be a little salty when, you know, the person right. that they're rooting for doesn't get that, you know, 1% drop and someone else does. So there isn't much you can do about it, but, you know, I think that, you know, it's at least worth a discussion moving forward um, to to try. Yeah, and definitely. Mitigate I mean, we didn't talk that. a lot about the championship itself yet, but we did have that in game two of the championship where uh, you and I were both finding hygiene items. We kept finding hygiene, 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 and Maris just so happened to find the food item that he right. And that's not to take anything away from him. I mean, he found it. He ran through the you know the same definitely, distance yeah. that we did, and you know did arguably more buildings than both of us. Um, and it just, you know, he found those items and, you know, props to him for finding them because that's freaking not easy. I thought we were going for the, <laughs> I thought, I honestly thought we were going to go for the full hour and none of us were going to find too, yeah. either one of them. Um, and, you know, he was able to find both and, you know, he searched the right spots. I probably missed a couple of restaurants that I should have gone into in order to, to look for those. And in hindsight, I did miss some restaurants and I did. Now I'm kind of kicking myself because I'm looking at the map in my head and I'm like, Oh no, you know, there's a, um, there's a Bronto gas right down there that I should have searched for, for food items. There's, you know, the restaurant right there that I should have. Yeah, I missed a lot items. of spots too, because I went the opposite direction that Sizzle was going because he didn't tell us at the start where we were actually going to search. So I went the opposite direction. It's like, oh, there's a car over here. Let me go this way to get this car. And I got tethered early on. So when I got tethered early on, that kind of screwed up the rest of my match. So. Mm. I, I actually kind of like the the fact that he didn't tell us, though, because it meant that we had to keep an eye on the map. And I think that uh, moving forward, and again, this is something that can be can be adjusted you know, per ref beforehand. I think that it's something that that should be stated beforehand. Be like, hey, you know, just so you know, keep an eye on me because I'm just going to be wandering. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like yeah, that's, that's like the you only said, thing I changed probably because like I didn't know that ahead of time. So mm -hmm. I would have known that ahead of time. I would have kept where I had him. But... Right. But like you said, you know, it was the uh, you know the creme de la creme. You know, it was uh, it was the finals. Where, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're uh, we're going hard or going home, literally. So I can I can understand uh, you know giving us as little guidance as humanly possible in terms of you know, what he's going to be doing and how he's going to be moving. Cause that's, that's probably how I would handle it. I would just be more, I'd like hop on a car and be like, peace suckers. And just, <laughs> and you know, if, if someone happened to hop in the car, I'd be like, you know, hats off to you for paying attention to the fact that I got in the car. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm generally more sadistic, uh, when I'm running games. So it would, uh, it would be, you know, something. We'll have to see ones. how you ref games when you ref you know, next time. Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> beware, beware, all of you who are in my games. It'll be fun, 
but you know, keep your head on a switch. <laughs> Sounds like good. <laughs> but um, just to touch on the championship a little bit more. Um, basically, this is a series of three games, and since Morris had no losses yet, either myself or Falldown had to beat him twice in two of these games in order to force sudden death. So basically, the first game was a time trials race around the whole map, like Falldown said, and uh, Falldown won that one. I think he had like a time that was maybe minute and a half to two minutes better than my time and i was in third so that kind of shows you, you know how close that mm-hmm. still was yep and i would like to to tip my cap to my viewers for for giving me that win um because i don't think that i would have done it without the uh insane rules that they give me you know the fact that half the time when i'm driving a car if i if i can drive cars you know i can't hit zombies it means that going full speed i have to be able to to react to things that are in the road you know right. just you know that much faster so that i don't hit them and um and that definitely helped doing the try doing the time trial and and driving the time trial so <laughs> thank you to uh thank you to everyone that uh that watches my channel and and checks that out and gives me those rules because it it helped a lot like that that training that you guys put me through on a uh you know, on a stream by stream basis is, is what got me this win. Oh, you definitely did a great job. And I mean, I know my biggest problem was that like, I just couldn't remember the course. So I'm like, wait a minute, am I supposed to turn right here? Like, so I got screwed up a lot yeah. of those points, but yeah, you kind of shot yourself in the foot yeah. right off the bat when you took <laughs> a did, left yeah. out of the, the drive, the parking lot <laughs> oh instead gosh, of a right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I forgot which direction I was supposed to go. So that was my biggest problem. But, you know, oddly enough, if I would have remembered the course, I think I might've had a shot at that one because uh, there's like a river portion where we had to go up the river, and I did the river part with like no hiccups at all. Freaking like, Aquaman here! So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I did that, but I had no stumbles at all the river. So, like, I could have made up all the time right there if I didn't screw up on one of the part. There's one part where we had to like go through the silos, and um, you know, in hindsight, I definitely know where the exit of those silos is, but I just wasn't thinking at the time, and I was trying to go through the start of it, so <laughs> I kind of messed that up. But yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it's the same thing that I was that I was talking about before, where you know you've been playing for a while and your your you know your nerves get on the you know they your nerves get to you or your you know your adrenaline gets pumped and you're like no 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 like this is basically a straight shot you know i'm just going to go right through here and it's going to be perfectly fine and right. then at the last second you're like oh crap no that gate isn't open you know yep. and um <laughs> and that's kind of those individual moments are kind of you know what led to a championship for me that um for yourself when uh, when you took that left out of the parking lot instead of the right, and then when Maris kept hitting the rocks in the um, in the river, like those two those two things slowed you guys down enough to uh, to open the exactly. door for me to be able to to get in there and get the win. And then we already talked about game two, how you know Maris uh, found his items in a scavenger hunt. So Ugh, like a bloodhound, dude is like a yeah. bloodhound. It was unbelievable. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah. No, nope. here we go, here we go. Oh, you know what? You know, testing the testing the wind, throwing the grass up there. I smell, I smell Twinkies. I'm just like running into a, a random building, and it's like, oh, Twinkies, sweet. Like, oh, well, what wait, I thought was most funny about that too is like, out of all the games, that's the one he won. And like, Mara said to been talking, you know, previously in the tournament, how he didn't like the searching games because you know you're depending on luck a little bit more and i just found it funny how that's the actual game one is how luck was on his side even though he hated it and he crushed us he crushed us <laughs> he did to all your to all your listeners like he hands down like he got everything before we before either one of us had half of the stuff like he just just you know talk about a demoralizing defeat you know he calls time and we're just like what 
what are you talking about call time? We're, we're, you know, we're going for a full hour. Right. And he's like, no, you know, anyone can call time. We're like, what? No, 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 no. That's not how this works. Yeah. This, yeah. this works where we go for the full hour and then we find somebody like, no, but I found everything. Yeah, I, I didn't have the liquor or the food item yet. I'm like, no. I don't have either one of those yet. Like, <laughs> no, me neither. I didn't have either of those. I didn't, I had broken apart my rock sacks. Cause I was just like, we have, we have time, you know, we have time. We'll be finding exactly. more stuff. So no, I mean, hats off to him. He just, I mean, what a demoralizing beatdown that he gave us on that one. Just <laughs> definitely oh, crushing, soul crushing defeat on that one. And then, of course, game three, we talked about a little bit earlier, but that was basically a new version of I can where we had to do eight challenges in a half hour. And you went first. Mm-hmm. You kind of set the bar with that. And you set yep. a really awesome bar because <laughs> I had a strategy going into that. Like my strategy going into it was. One of the challenges was to flip two cars, and I know I'm not good at flipping cars, so my strategy the whole time was, okay, I'm just going to avoid the flipping cars, I'm going to do the other seven, and I should be able to win this. But unfortunately for me, you actually flipped two cars, so you basically forced me to do that, because the only (laughs) thing you didn't do was you didn't kill one feral. So you basically forced me to try and do everything, so I'm like, well, if I have to do everything, I have to try and flip these cars. So that's what tripped me up the most. (laughs) Exactly. And and, you know, to that point, I didn't find another feral, so... (laughs) It wasn't a case of, you know, oh, well, there's right, a feral exactly. over there and I'll, I'll just do it later. It was, you know, I traveled that map for 30 minutes and just no ferals came out. You know, I had, and, I had and killed to your the credit first one. Too, like, just, no. You had everything done besides finding the last feral at like 23 minutes in. Oh, so, it's brutal. Like you were looking for one feral for like six minutes. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. But it is what it is. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like you never know um, if I had used your tactic, if I had climbed more cell towers and stuff like that i mean who knows i probably would have found him probably would have spotted him off in the distance and it just it honestly didn't occur to me until the very end when i was down to like three minutes i was like oh uh you know i could probably climb stuff and take a look around and at that point it was it was too late and i already felt like an idiot so yeah because at that point you already dished your car so you didn't have a car to go to cell tower with exactly i was just kind of like all right well i blew up my car and i left my repair kit you know, God only knows where that is. So we're just, we're just, we're going on foot and we're, we're listening for the, for the, the scream and we're going to, you know, hopefully find one just, you know, and again, in hindsight and looking back at it, climbing those cell towers and taking a look around was key. And it was a, you know, a part of the, the map that just didn't occur to me. So it goes back to, you know, everyone has their own plans and everyone has their own tactics and it can work in different ways depending on how you use them. So, yeah, definitely. You know, props to you because, I had a whole strategy planned, and you basically screwed up my entire strategy by flipping those two cars. Like, I, I was not I going to I attempt that at all. Like, yeah, there was no way in hell I would have attempted that if you didn't do it. So, <laughs> well, and then you got screwed on the uh, on the cars you had available to you. You know, like we, yeah, you know, we went over it before that you were trying to flip the Google car, and uh, and that's <laughs> yes. just not, you know, it's not really feasible. So, you know, you, uh, you did not walk out and find two sedans that were just like sitting there, like, hey, flip right. me. But the same token, though, I mean. Right when I started my game, like Sizzle's like, yeah, the time will start when you drive your car. I'm like, I'm not driving my car to start because I saw a car on the map that was like right next mm-hmm. to my car. So I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to start with this car here. Yep. Yep. That <laughs> and, was. And that was the one car I flipped. I did flip that car. It was a truck. Yep. But I just couldn't flip the second car. Yeah. Well, I mean, a truck uh, is probably one of the harder ones to flip. Um, and yeah, you just got unlucky with uh, with the cars that you found. And I think. Again, kind of, you know, what we went over before, I would have suggested that you just leave. You know, you take your Google car, 
you fill it with gas and you drive, you know, and using the Google car, you could find a couple sedans that you could crash and destroy and you could flip them over and stuff like that. Right. So, but and again, part of my plan when I found that you know. car was I was going to use that car to find a play car. So I had right. it all planned in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this car. I'm going to flip this car. Then after I flip it, I'm going to take it to find a play car. After I find the play car, I'm going to destroy this car mm-hmm. and then I'll be good. Exactly. Like, I had that all planned out, but part one of that was flipping the car. And when I couldn't do part one, I just got so fixated on flipping that car yep. that I forgot about the rest of the parts. Yep, and that's that's that you know that gambler's fallacy of this time it'll work, this time it won't exactly. work, yep. this time <laughs> it'll you know X, Y, or Z. So it's uh, it's funny how it can how it can take a hold of you in the weirdest way um, when <laughs> you're playing. You're just like, no, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to. You know, keep you know keep pulling those slots. You know, one of these times right. I'll win. So. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you came in with a win on that one, and you had two wins to one, so Morris got his first loss officially, oh, yeah. and then it went to Sudden Death, and yes, Sudden Death was did. another demo derby, and it was basically you and Morris mm-hmm. had the same exact car, mm-hmm. and you had one car, you know, yep. um, myself and Sizzle were refilling you guys on gas, so yep. basically it was one car, just blow up that one car, and you're good. And yeah, it was, it was eventually an awesome got the job fight. Done. It was an awesome fight. Um. And, you know, I got to uh, really tip my cap to Maris on that one because he he was whooping my ass for a while there. And I apologize for uh, for, for the bad language. I was just no, you're fine. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, he was whooping me. You know, he was whooping me pretty bad there for a little bit. And um, we were trading blows back and forth. And as we ranged out into the map a little bit, a, a feral and a juggernaut spawned kind of within the zone that we were playing on. And as soon as I saw him, I, I knew that I wanted to use those to my advantage and try and, right. you know, bait a hit. You know, a single juggernaut hit on a car is going to do so much damage that it's going to be really hard to come back from that. Um, and so when it first popped up on the field, you know, I drove past it as fast as I could in order to bait that attack. And it just happened to land directly on Maris. So, you know, the the fists came down. I just watched a door go flying. I was just like, yes, you know, that is that is what I needed in order to, to really kind of pull ahead. Um, and the Feral did a lot to him, too. Oh, the yeah. Feral was actually on his car at one point. So. Yeah, I was I was that was another thing was I was purposely, again, kind of driving the Feral towards him in order <laughs> to try and, you know, give him aggro on the Feral so that it would stay the hell away from me. Because there's nothing you can do. You know, you're in the middle of a lake. That thing gets on right. you. You're not getting it off without taking some significant damage so um just trying to to use what was available to uh to deal as much damage as i could and it ended up you know being incredibly effective because he took another hit from that juggernaut and that i mean he wasn't recovering from that point you know those two hits put him i think he started smoking uh shortly thereafter and i had you know i'd taken a few big head-to-head hits from his truck but that's not equal to you know the the pounding that he received juggernaut from the stuff, juggernaut yeah. and from the uh, uh from the feral so it was a it was a crazy it was a crazy match and he stuck in there really really well considering how beat up his truck was and then finally you know once we once we moved out of the lake you know it just came down to uh kind of who was going to get that last big hit and i got to say it ended just the way that I wanted to see it end with him on fire hits, yeah. on fire and flying <laughs> through the air. And when that happened, oh, it was so nice. It was so nice. <laughs> and of course, you know, as winner, uh, you did get some prizes. So 
Congrats on that. You won a Bronto gas jacket. Yep. You won yep. a State of Decay pin, a t-shirt, a Undead Labs signed poster. Yep. And uh State of Decay water bottles. So, you know, those great correct. prizes and congrats on that. I am stoked. I'm stoked. I love those guys. I mean, hats off to the State of Decay folks and Undead Labs in general. Um for you know, supporting the community, supporting this event, supporting events like these. For those that didn't know, like this was not you know, something that, that they even knew about before Undead Trials 1 came about. You know, this was just something that was that was organized independently. And they, they as, a, as a company and as a team, just said, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, do it. You know, sure, we'll give you stuff. We'll give you, a, we'll give you posters. We'll give you shirts. Um, and have been incredibly supportive of this entire process. So, uh, I mean, there are... Yeah, and speaking yeah. of that, even one of their artists, Brant Fitzgerald, you know, he actually agreed to give all of us an individual um, drawn drawing. Mm-hmm. So you, myself, yourself, and Maris as the final three, he's going to send us all an original drawing, which is awesome. Exactly. So thank you for that. Yeah, which is, again, awesome. And it's going above and beyond than, you know, I think a lot of other publishing companies would do. You know, this isn't this isn't a, um, you know, a, an official tournament. This is just something that, you know, very dedicated fans like yourself put together and they you know, scooped it up and they just said, yeah, no, that's awesome. You know, do it. You have our support. We will tweet out about this every single day. We will tweet out, you know, the individual matches. We'll tweet out about, um, you know, what you're doing and, and how things are turning up and, you know, um, talk about it on the, the weekly or the, the biweekly um, uh, webcasts and stuff like that. And it's just like, I mean, they went, yeah, I mean, they it was awesome. The amount of support that they, that they, gave you and gave um sizzle and mr dart uh in in making this come true and you know providing the um the the victory swag was was surprising and awesome and above and beyond so absolutely you know undead labs such an amazing studio and i i love them for all the support you know they do a great job supporting the community and it's really nice to actually be part of a community like this that has support from such a great studio because yep you know, yep. a lot of studios, if fans do things on their own, they'll kind of be like, oh, okay. And they won't really do anything about it. They're like, they won't actually acknowledge it. And also, you know, it, it's really refreshing to see a studio actually acknowledge things like that. Exactly. Exactly. And um, and to give prizes and to, to send stuff out around the country and around the world. Like, Definitely. you know, they're shipping something to, um, where's Maris? Is he in, in Russia? Latvia. Lat- close yeah. To- yeah. yeah. They're shipping something to Latvia. For a, for something that that they didn't make for a tournament that was run by the by the fans, like that's awesome. That is awesome. Definitely, that is the the definition I really of going above and beyond. Too, so, so. Yeah. And, and to see you know them support us through this growth too, because this is actually the fourth event. You know, we had uh, Decay Fest one, Undead Trials one, uh, Undead Trials two, and Decay Fest two. And through all four of these events, we keep trying to grow the events more, and you know make them better and throughout all of this they've always supported us and you know we're, we're not stopping here you know undead trials 3 and decay fest 3 we're going to try and make those bigger even yet so you know we, we really appreciate their help exactly and it'll be it'll be awesome and i can't wait for you know the more news to come out and but first off blaze take some time off you know, like, you know, get some sleep, <laughs> definitely, you know, take your time on this one. You know, we, we understand, um, 
you know, how much time you put in, how much time cases put in and Dart put in. Um, and again, shout out to Dart. I hope he's doing well. Uh, you know, we'll be here when you get back, buddy. Just take, take the time you need. Uh, mental health is incredibly important for for everyone that streams or plays games for everyone mental health is important so do you know take care of yourselves um but yeah to undead trials three take your time buddy take your time like we want you to um <laughs> to to be you know full strength and we want you to 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 not get sick of us don't get sick of us <laughs> who me or dart <laughs> yes <laughs> no yeah i mean uh, i kind of i did felt be a feel pretty bad like missing the episode on saturday and then you know undead trials ended sunday and like basically monday and we're recording this on a tuesday like pretty much monday and tuesday i kind of just took the days of sleep so i did feel kind of bad about that but hopefully everyone understands i did some sleep so. how dare you how dare you require sleep <laughs> but you know tomorrow uh, i do plan to you know get back into things and start talking with sizzle because you know, Undead Trials 3 and Decay Fest 3 are coming, and we definitely have some conversations to have, and we, we definitely want some more staff to help us out. So, you know, if you feel like um, you're someone that wants to ref out there, you know, or if you feel like some, you're someone that wants to, you know, offer ideas, um, we definitely have other areas that we're looking to include people in, and we're going to have conversations about that and, you know, hopefully get some more staff to help us out because there's definitely areas that we could use more help next time, and we're hoping that, you know, 65 isn't, you know, the bar we're hoping that's just like you know the the lowest bar that we're going to keep rising above and hopefully next time you know maybe we'll get 85 players maybe the time after that we'll get 100 you know so we'll, we'll try to keep growing this yeah join us on discord chat with us we're fun definitely and you know if you think you know you're a great state of decay player then you know try your hand at this maybe you can take you know fall down's two-time crown we'll see never but but seriously even <laughs> even if you don't think you're great just come out and have fun like that's that's the thing you know harsh not royal um didn't want to do this like he wasn't someone that was really interested in 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 playing he had to be convinced he was like ah, i don't know if i want to do it and we're just like come on man just just play you know give it a shot try you know come out have fun just just enjoy yourself that's what this community is about that's what this game is about you know games in general are supposed to be exactly fun. and look so, what happened i mean exactly Star royal pulled up the biggest upset of the tournament so like that could happen to you too oh so. god where's the whiskey <laughs> <laughs> You'll never live that one down. Uh, no, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you tears. still, you still retain the title. So I That's mean, true. That, That's you true. can hang your hat on that. So. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we covered everything for the tournament. You know, I, I covered a lot of the matches. I um kind of held dear. We covered all the games. So you know, unless you had something else to say, I mean, we pretty much covered. You know, recap the tournament. So it was a lot of fun. I can't wait for the next one. Right there with you, buddy. Right there with you. Um. I mean, again, like my hats off to everyone that took part. Uh, my hats off to everyone that was interested or that watched. Um, and thank you to Undead Labs. Thank you to you, to Sizzle, to you know Maris, to everyone else that that really did this. To Mr. Dart, all the competitors. Um, this this event was incredibly fun. It was incredibly fun to take part in. It was in, it was fun to watch, and the excitement that people had in the Discord channel uh, leading up to matches, after matches. I mean, discussions after matches were in there. Like it was, it was fun. Definitely. Everything about it was fun. You know, the the fact that people in the middle of Undead Trials were like, "Oh, you know, this is you know, this community is so so welcoming. I want to be a part of Decay Fest. Uh, this community is so welcoming, and these look like so much fun." 
I can't wait for Undead Trials 3 so that I can join in. You know, that's that's kind of that was so encouraging to see within Discord. Absolutely. And to and, kind of follow know, along. Right after it ended, I mean, we had people like uh, Scarproof and Harsh Not Royal. They're like, can we sign up for Undead Trials 3 yet? And I'm like, you know, I, I love the enthusiasm, but not quite yet. You know, it's good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing, you know, even if this is the first time playing, well, maybe not if it's your first time playing the game, maybe play the game a little bit before you sign up. Um, or you might just be, you know, disappointed or you might be discouraged. But, you know, if you play the game, if you enjoy the game, sign up, hop in. You never know. You never know what can happen. Um, you might, you know, pull a uh, pull a harsh, not royal, and and you know, get into the finals um, or get into the semifinals. You could go up against me. You could go up against Blaze. You could go up against, you know, anyone else. Screw loose and uh, and Maris and take us down and get a you know get your own write up in the uh, the Undead Trials three current standings. You know, it's. You know, it's that's the kind of thing that's just fun. It's the stories that get written during the the tournament, as well as you know, the you know the stuff that comes at the end, um, and especially now that you know Brant is is giving out some prizes for for second and third place. And I, if this keeps going, if this keeps getting bigger, you know, we're we're looking. How who knows? Who knows what comes next? And that's the exciting part, I think. Exactly. And real quick, um. We kind of indirectly talked about them, but I do want to, you know, give a quick shout out to all the people that were in the semifinals, the final eight. So uh, obviously there was myself, yourself, and Morris, who made the finals. But uh, beyond us, there was a small hedge. We had Diatom Thirteen, also known as Mister Huge. We had Scarproof, Screwloose, and Harshnot Royal. So those were our, you know, semifinalists. So major props to you guys for making that far. You know. Uh, we hope you come back with the same veracity that you had you know, in this tournament and do the same next time. Yep. And as a note, Screwloose, for those that didn't watch um, or are not familiar with Undead Trials 1, Screwloose was the partner of Sarkoth. So he was actually uh, the duos champion. He was one of the duos champions with from, Sarkoth, yep. from Undead Trials 1. So, you know, he uh, he made it back on his own and was able to to make it into the, the semifinals. So it was a it was a big a big win for me that I was able to finally take him down um, and move <laughs> to the finals. So it was a it was a good match, a good two matches. I actually played him twice, and both of them were just brutal. They were incredibly hard. So yeah, definitely. And you know, Undead Trials one was in Daybreak. Undead Trials two was in the base game. So. You know, whether you like Daybreak and you're really good at Daybreak, whether you like the base game and you're really good at the base game, we will have events on both. Um, I think Undead Trials 3 will be back to the base game again, and then I think Undead Trials 4 will be Daybreak again. Meager Valley. Meager Valley, (laughs) maybe, possibly. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We we do have to go to Trouble Valley at some point when that comes out, too. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I love love me some Meager. (laughs) That's actually the map I did my I can game on, so <laughs> it was pretty fun. But you know, that being said, um, I do have one last question before we finish here. You know, you already said you had fun, but uh, the last question I have for you here is: Undead Trials Three, will you be back to defend your title once again? Oh, of course, of course. You gotta. I mean, if you want to take a, if you want to get the the sweet stuff that uh, Undead Labs is going to be giving away for Undead Trials Three, you got to go through the champ. I mean, there's no other way there I could you do go, it. People. You know. If you wanna if you wanna take down King Hippo, you gotta step into the ring. There you have it, people. And you know, if you wanna sign up for Undead Trials three, we'll have news about that coming uh, soon, but you know, you're gonna have to go through the champ again, so you're not gonna get a free pass, you know. Fall down's not gonna step out and then just give it make it easy for everyone else. 
<laughs> yep. No, I'm, but, I'm going in full effort. Going maximum effort every single time that I play. Um, I, I maintain that even to. to the end, I was probably the most competitive person <laughs> that was involved. Um, just that's that's Absolutely. kind of how I how I go into it. You know, I I, I go into win. So uh, I'm just I'm glad I was able to, um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. And those of you who are so listening, you're all going down. But we'll have to see about that because you know I will actually be back for Undead Trials three myself. So yeah, you're going uh, down. It might be. <laughs> it might be the last one I do, and that's not because I don't like competing in them. It's just because since I am the organizer and I am, you know, uh, running this or having a huge part in running this, I don't want to run all the tournaments and compete in them once we get enough people. So once we get big enough, uh, I think it's only appropriate that I should bow out, but um, we're not there yet. So until we get there, I think uh, it's okay if I can beat so. And I would agree. I would agree. And I, I would also just like to point out, I don't know why I keep saying King Hippo instead of the champ. Uh, it's just, for whatever reason, it got stuck in my head. And King Hippo in Punch-Out always made me laugh. Like, he was just the most ridiculous character. And as, as you know, as, uh, as serious as I am and as competitive as I am, I'm also a, a pretty big clown. So um, that I just, I found it at a, for whatever reason, it popped into my head first. And I just kind of picked that up and ran with it not that king hippo would be able to run anywhere hey it works so you know that could be your new title so yeah i'll have to call you that all over twitter <laughs> fall down go hippo <laughs> there you go you can use that as your extreme title <laughs> nice <laughs> but you know fall down will be back i'll be back um i think maris has said that he uh, might retire so if you want to talk him out of that you know Please go after him. You know, talk to him on YouTube, talk to him on Twitter, and tell him you know you're not ready to retire. You got to you know play one more. You know, we got to face you again. So talk about a retirement, guys. You can do definitely, it. definitely. <laughs> but that's basically all we have for today. So um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me at Blaze Experience. You can email me theblazeexperience at gmail dot com. And you can find my Discord in the show notes. You can also find the Undead Trials and Decay Fest Discord in the show notes. I'll put those there. So if you want to find out more about the events, we have a simp Discord just for the events. If you want, I'm also on YouTube. I have a Facebook group. So there's some other ways you can contact me. And my gamer tag is the same as my Twitter. Blaze Experience is capital B-L-A-I-S-E, capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And fall down if people want to get in touch with you or find your stream, how can they do that? You betcha. Um, so I am on Twitter. I'm Fall Down Stream. Uh, so at Fall Down Stream is is what I uh, tweet out of. Um, I have my own Discord channel. I stream on Twitch uh, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays uh, under Fall Down Go Boom. So twitch.tv slash Fall Down Go Boom. Um, and that's really it right now. Uh, you know, there are big plans in the future for, for YouTube and, and doing all that. I'm just not there yet. Um, you know, father or two and all that stuff. Just the amount of, uh, the amount of time I can definitely get that. Yeah. <laughs> build that out is, you know, uh, but you know, stay, uh, you know, stay tuned. You know, there is uh, there's more and better stuff coming for, for my channel and for, like I said, YouTube, Facebook and all that stuff. Um, we do have, I do have a, a YouTube channel. It's just not a, it's not set to my name yet. So, you know, once we, once we have that set up, I'll, I'll, push that out there as well but for right now if you want to get a hold of me uh, hit me up in discord you know tweet at me 
or uh, or stop on by for one of the streams. Definitely. I definitely recommend his streams. You know, he's a great streamer, uh, very interactive with his chat. He has all these rules that he comes up with in his chat, so it, it's a lot of fun being in a stream. Well, the so cat, the chat comes out. up with it. The chat comes up with it. Let's, you know, it's not something that that I do. It's um, you know, if you're watching my stream, and and I screw up a couple. Well, times, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Though it's a lot of fun if you're in his chat, so you can kind of come up with the rules. For exactly. Him, so. Yeah, you can punish me, so you can tell me that exactly. I have to kill the character that I'm playing, or I have to drop my guns, or or something along those lines. It's a good time. So you it's know, anyone in Undead Trials too, if you're a little bit salty about Fall Down winning, you know, step into one of his streams and give him a hard rule. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they have been. They've actually been the viewers. Uh, the last stream were, were really nice to me they took away some really hard rules so uh, i'm sure that that I will that. that'll turn nice. around that'll <laughs> turn around pretty soon i'm sure no it's definitely a lot of fun so i definitely recommend everyone checking it out you know one of the rules i know you've talked about you did was you play with your controller upside down and i can't yeah. imagine doing that so yeah that was so props to that that was a, that was a pain in the butt that was a pain in the butt <laughs> but it was fun it was definitely fun <laughs> Maybe I'll you know force you to do that all of the trial stream or something. Oh wow. I'll have to I'll have to do some practice. <laughs> <That'd be fun. laughs> I'll have to practice that a little bit more. Yes. <laughs> but thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate that. You, you know, betcha. it's a lot of fun to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. No problem, no problem. Thank you again, uh, for hosting and for kind of the recap of, of Undead Trials two and you know, Undead Trials 3 and beyond. Yeah, hopefully people enjoy this episode. You know, they get to uh, hear some insights from, you know, two of the finalists. I, I think that'd be kind of interesting to hear. So hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Well, you know what? Even if they didn't, I enjoyed being here with you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome, bud. <laughs> but to you, the listeners, you know, um, I'd appreciate any feedback on this episode or any other episodes. So um, definitely leave us an iTunes reviews if you can. And if you want to find the podcast, you're obviously listening to it somehow. But if you want to listen to it another way than you already listened to it, we are on Stitcher. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iTunes, Radio Public, Blueberry, Podbean, basically any directory you can think of except for a couple. I think we're uh, not on Spotify and one other one just because for whatever reason, I can't get it on there yet. I'm trying, but we're trying to get on there. You'll so get there. You'll hopefully get there. we're on there soon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so you know i'd appreciate any feedback and uh thank you for listening to the episode everyone so thank you one more time fallout for joining us and congratulations on your second championship <laughs> thanks place i appreciate it and thank you again to, for having me and thank you to the listeners for listening we appreciate it so thank you thank you everyone once again for listening to the base experience <laughs>